Newton on Friday. 19-year-old Micah Urquhart was found in Hastings Street by a member of the public. He'd been stabbed in the chest and later died at the scene. Bedfordshire police are continuing to appeal for witnesses. A group of MPs is warning that the cost of a multi-billion pound computer system for the NHS are continuing to rise two years after the government announced it was scrapping the programme. The project's already cost the taxpayer nearly £10 billion so far. Thames Valley Police are warning of a new phone scam which has already claimed 17 victims in Milton Keynes. Tony Fisher has the details. Courier fraud, as it's known, is often targeted at the elderly and vulnerable. The victim is tricked into revealing their bank details over the phone before their card is then collected by a courier. In other cases, victims are conned into cutting their cards in half before posting them to the fraudster, who simply tapes the card back together. Police want those with elderly relatives or neighbours to be on the lookout. Sending a child to boarding school can be more cost-effective than shuttling children to many different sports and activities, at least according to a leading headmaster from Hertfordshire. Ray McGovern from St George's School in Harpenden says that boarding schools are not elitist and insists they can be a good option for working parents, single-parent families and people living in rural areas. There's concern this morning that the number of dogs abandoned by their owners may be on the increase. While national figures from the Dogs Trust suggest the number of stray dogs they take in is going down, it would seem that's not the picture in Bedfordshire. Julie Shelton owns Appledown Kennels in Eton Bray. It is awful. This is the busiest we have ever, ever known it. I've spoken to other people in rescue kennels and stray kennels and they're all saying the same. We have never, ever had as many dogs as this. Sport now and in the championship last night, a late penalty gave Watford a 2-1 win over Doncaster. Meanwhile, Luton Town were 3-0 winners at home to Dartford in the conference. The weather, sunshine with the chance of an isolated shower and a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, excuse me, there's a frog in my throat. He's gone now. Have you been up all night playing Grand Theft Auto 5? Yes, target audience, target audience. I may have a little indulgence later on this evening. I may, I may not, we'll see. Lots coming up on the show today, including police chiefs are calling for privately run drunk tanks to be considered to help tackle alcohol fueled disorder. Is that a good idea or a waste of money? Kennels in beds, hearts and bucks are full of strays, but why do people abandon their dogs? And this morning, Justin Dealey is banging on about films. Justin? Banging on about films. Morning, Lisa. Yeah, the uh, top ten films have been named that we wished we'd seen on the big screen. Number one uh, 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 is Psycho. So, I've been talking to cinema goers. What's the film you wished you'd seen at the cinema? Thank you, Justin. I like the way he kept the suspense there by telling us the number one film straight away. Straight away. We'll be speaking to Justin Dealey a little bit later on. You can give us uh, a call 08459 555. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
senior police officers have backed the idea of using what are being called drunk tanks to reduce the amount of crime and disorder caused by people drinking too much alcohol. Troublemakers who are drunk would be locked up in cells run by private firms and then have to pay. The plan has been supported by the Chief Constable of Northamptonshire, Adrian Lee, who speaks on the issue for the Association of Chiefs, Chief Police Officers. Well, I'm joined now by BBC's uh, alcohol correspondent, Gavin Lee. Gavin, w- what exactly is being proposed by ACPO here? Well, it's essentially a kind of jail cell that's been recommended, specifically for those considered too drunk to be on the streets, but rather than the police having to deal with them in the police station, it's going to be a commercial company that runs these units. So the police initially deal with the drunks on the street. They, they send them to the cells, they lock them up for the nights. So it's rather than placing, wasting police resources so they don't spend perhaps an hour, an hour and a half taking someone to the cell, dealing with the paperwork, getting back out onto the beat, they spend five, ten minutes to the, the nearest set of um, cells for them. And the people in there, um, they would have specific medical care in these drunk tanks, specialist staff looking after those who are in a bad state and a better place then to decide whether they need hospital care or not. And the, the man who's behind it, Adrian Lee, Chief Constable of Northamptonshire Police, uh, as part of ACPO, is saying that you know, there shouldn't be people clogging up A&E units, there shouldn't be the police and therefore the taxpayer continuing to pick up the bill for people drinking too much that they can't look after themselves and it would stop um, a lot of the A&E units being clogged up and then the drunk and disorderly get better treatment too and they, I guess the sting in the tail or the, you know, the, the sweetener for the taxpayer is that rather than us paying for the bill that the ACPO are saying you know as soon as somebody sobers up in the morning they will pay for the price of staying in their cell for the night plus they'll pay a secondary fixed penalty uh, by the police. What if they haven't got the money, Gavin? Yeah, well, there's the rub. I mean, ultimately, um, in theory, it works there and then on the spot. If somebody's on benefits or somebody can't afford it, it'll end up going through the courts. Um, and this has led to a few uh, questions by um, some other organisations, including the police federations, who've said that you know, it's not a catch-all, it's a sticking plaster, and it's there's lots of questions this throws up including you know what if somebody can't afford to pay it does it start to clog up the, the court systems then with this whole uh, wider problem that's ancillary to it and perhaps there should be you know this word i i, I hate to use but the, the word that the police federation have used the multi-agency approach you know should there be more involvement with the government really to try and get on top of this problem is the government behind this are they giving it the thumbs up it's interesting actually there's been a bit of a non-committal statement from um the government on this and certainly from um, my point of view it suggests that this is being looked at but um, the Crime Prevention Minister Jeremy Brown has said um, he welcomes the campaign, there's also a secondary campaign going on today um, because it's University Freshers Week starting uh, and there's going to be a lot more police activity in terms of um, on the spot testing it's certainly for a lot of university campuses and, and those cities and towns where a lot of students will be this week um, but it's interesting, rewind it a year, David Cameron suggested the same thing and he said there should be this US style because I've seen it work amazingly in the in the States uh, a couple of years ago where not personally, luckily. I was going to say Gavin was it, <laughs> how, how well have you seen this? How closely yeah, have you seen this? From a distance and um, you it does in terms of uh, you know what I was watching for work you do see the officers very quickly dealing with people passing them over and it releasing their time but David Cameron suggested it last year uh, it went down like a bit of a lead balloon the police federation saying it, it could be a dangerous idea if they're not properly cared for this seems to be an updated version say, saying that medical staff will be there and it wouldn't you know, it still wouldn't clog up any time Gavin thank you very much indeed well what do you think you, you you've heard uh, Gavin Lee outline the plan. He says it works in the States. Drunk tanks, are they the best way to treat drunk people in the streets? You have to bear in mind, it will be a mixture, I would imagine, 
of uh, um, binge, binge drinkers, I believe we call them. People who get boozed up on a Friday night. And also proper hardcore alcoholics who've got serious addiction problems to booze. So is it, is it a good idea? If you've seen it work in the States... I'd love to talk to you this morning. 08459 455 555. I do wonder, though, you, you, you wake up in the morning and you get a bill. This is the kind of thing that David Lloyd, isn't it, was banging on about the uh, PCC for... He's Hertfordshire, isn't he? I always get them all mixed up. Uh, he was banging on about charging people to stay in prison cells overnight. This is this is seems to be an extension of that. What do you think? Is it a good idea or, or a terrible idea? 08459 455... Five double five. You can send me a text as well. Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. How much you mean to me There must be some other way to make you see If it takes my heart and soul You know I'd pay the price Everything that I possess I'd gladly sacrifice I'm here today. 
very lucky. I got sent Grand Theft Auto V yesterday. I know, I know I'm 40 years old. 40 years old and I got sent a free computer game and part of me went, I'll have some of that. I've not had a ch- It's very, it's very naughty. People who complain that video games are too violent. Oh, grow up. It's very naughty, but it's got an 18 rating. Children shouldn't be playing it. Kids shouldn't play it. So, you know, if I want to play a, a violent video game, if I want to go and watch a violent movie, then I'm well within my rights to do so, I think, aren't I? Although I did, uh, I was watching a film yesterday. It's not very good. It's called Greenberg. Is it Greenberg? It's Ben Miller. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. And it's a little bit raunchy. There are some raunchy bits in it. It's, it's a complicated adult comedy. And there are some raunchy bits in it. And um, my wife and kids came home during one of the raunchy bits. I won't go into detail, but, you, you know, yes, they were. And so I paused it. I was watching it on the Sky Plus. I paused it. And um, uh, went and I thought the kids would be asleep in the car, but they weren't. They, the eldest was awake, so I, I got him out of the car and let him into the house, and I got the baby out of the car who was asleep. Uh, asleep. And um, th- then the eldest came and said, Dada, Dada, what are you watching? Huh? What are you watching? What are that man and woman doing? Whoa, hey, hang on a second. They are um, having uh, a, a really interesting discussion about something. Their faces are very close, yes. Their, their, their faces are... She's got... The, let me just turn this TV off now, shall we? But Grand Theft Auto Five. There will be a furore. There's been a furore about it already. Because uh, the, someone was, was stabbed in, uh, uh, at, uh, at the launch of it somewhere. Well, yes, it was in Camden in North London, which is quite a stabby place. So that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I'm waiting for the Daily Mail. I don't think the Mail... Have um, have done it yet? They, they will at some point do a piece. Let me just scan through it now about this uh, ban. This oh, here we have. Here we have. It, it's pages uh, eight and nine. A game that spawns violence, torture, and murder with the addictive glamour of Hollywood. Yesterday, by James Dellingpole says. Yesterday, in the process of robbing a bank, I beat up up an elderly security guard before shooting dead. Perhaps fifteen policemen, exulting in their murders with a flip dismissal, shouldn't have been a cop. It's a video game. I, I, I genuinely don't believe that, uh, you know, most sane people playing that are going to go out and do, do naughty things. I'm looking forward to playing it. 08459 555555. It's a quarter past six. You're listening to BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with David Harris. I get travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hi, good morning. Well, routes are looking pretty quiet at the moment for your Wednesday commute. In the A414, looking quite quiet around the Park Street roundabout. Traffic's looking good in the A421 eastbound as well at the total roundabout. A couple of roadworks for you to look out for, though. The A5 Fenny Stratford Bypass, that's the lane closed at the McDonald's roundabout at Watling Street. And the A6, there's also roadworks ongoing at Greyfriars around Beckett Street. I'm David Harris at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, David. It's 6.16, it's Wednesday, the, um, what date is it? The 18th of September. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Senior police officers have backed the idea of locking up people who've had too much to drink in cells run by private companies. Luton detectives have been questioning two 18-year-old men arrested in connection with last Friday's murder in Hastings Street. 
In sport, Watford beat Doncaster 2-1 in the Championship last night, while Luton Town were 3-0 winners at home to Dartford in the conference. Coming up, we'll be talking about stray dogs. One kennel in Bedfordshire has too many, but why are people abandoning their dogs? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back, because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. (laughs) You're going to start that trend. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call now. Um, oh, let's, uh, who, who's, have we got a caller? Are they not there? We'll go to them in a bit. The owner of a Bedfordshire kennel says it's the busiest she's ever known it for stray dogs and that they are full to capacity. Figures released today by the Dogs Trust suggest nationally the number of strays is dropping. But Julie Shelton, who owns Apple Down uh, Kennels in Eton Bray, says the problem has got worse this summer. Julie, who also chairs the charity Apple Down Rescue, has been telling our reporter, Ewan Duncan, how difficult it is currently. We take the strays for four different councils. The two Bedfordshire ones are Luton Borough and Central Bedfordshire. We deal with the owners for those dogs if they come forward to claim them. And then at the end of the eight days, if they're not claimed, the dogs that are suitable go up for rehoming and we look after them until we find suitable homes for them. How busy is it at the moment? It is awful. This is the busiest we have ever, ever known it. I've spoken to other people in rescue kennels and stray kennels, and they're all saying the same. We have never, ever had as many dogs as this. Can you put a figure on it? We probably have somewhere around about 70 dogs here at the moment, strays and rescue, and we had never got above 58 up until the beginning of the summer. Nationally, the trend seems to be a fall in the number of strays, but are places like this always under pressure, no matter what the situation? We're always under pressure. I think the problem is the figures that you're seeing nationally or that will be coming out were for last year. And yes, it was marginally down, but only marginally down. It's stayed steady at the start of this year and then from the beginning of the summer has gone very, very busy. And I think that will be a national trend that will show up from who I've spoken to. But we're never calm and quiet. And is this down to the economic recession? No, that's a complete excuse. It's the fact that people get dogs without giving it any thought. They don't research the breed of dog they get. They treat them as a disposable item and get rid of them. We had one thrown into our car park yesterday. It's people's attitude, I'm afraid. It's nothing to do with anything else. It is entirely down to the type of people that get dogs. Are there specific breeds that you tend to get more than others? All areas, unfortunately, are suffering from getting too many staffies because too many people are breeding them and they're breeding them carelessly and they don't care who has them as long as they don't, you know, with the litter. We get a lot of working-type dogs in this area, lurchers and terriers and things like that. But we get a huge range. We've got some really rare breeds here at the moment. There is nothing that can't come into rescue, unfortunately, and people will spend a lot of money and then not own that dog within a year. Which is quite a statement. Yeah, it is. Uh, and foolhardy and awful but I I think the other thing that needs taking into account is what they're doing to their children you know this is an awful thing to do to a child if they throw out the family dog my children would be devastated and we have more than one dog so in theory they maybe wouldn't miss one of them but they would they'd be devastated and I think we're teaching our children an awful lesson if they can just get rid of who is actually their best mate in a lot of times do any get put down yeah they do luckily so far we've only had to put dogs down where it's completely justified in terms of either the dog's health and there's nothing you can do to help it or they're not safe to go back out into homes either towards people or to other dogs but there will come a time that dogs even in this area will be put down because there's nowhere for them to go if we run out of kennels and nobody else has a kennel what are we meant to do when the next dog comes in and that is actually the fault of the owners that's never going to be the fault of the kennels how quickly do you see that situation arising i don't know i could imagine it arising much sooner than we'd all like we are absolutely fit to burst at the moment we will find a way for that not to happen somehow but it it will become impractical if the numbers carry on as they have done this week we had eight in yesterday 
that's a lot of dogs to find a kennel for. Well, that's the owner of Apple Down Kennels in Eaton Bray, Julie Shelton, talking to you and Duncan. They spend about £4,000 a month on vet bills alone trying to put these abandoned animals right. Well, what should happen to these dogs and why do people dump them? 08459 455 555. I'm reading more about the, the, the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail, it, it, shame on you, naughty. Very naughty, but what they've written about Grand Theft Auto V. They've got a two-page spread, pages eight and nine, game that spawns violence. Man stabbed for new £45 Grand Theft Auto game as fans queue at midnight. OK, well, that's bad, but you can't link that to the game. That's just yobs. But then, oh, what's this in the bottom left-hand corner? They're, they're trying to uh, piggyback onto, the, onto another story. Link to US deaths. Let's read more. They couldn't surely be referring to the, uh, the, the nutjob who shot 12 people the other day in Washington. Oh, they are! The gunman who killed 12 people in a rampage through a Washington naval base was an obsessive player of violent video games. It emerged yesterday. Okay, so he couldn't have been playing Grand Theft Auto V because it hadn't been released then. So there's no link to Grand Theft Auto V. So let's strike that one. Let's carry on. Aaron Alexis, 34, indulged in all-night sessions playing shoot-em-up games such as Call of Duty and Resident Evil. Okay, right. The mentally disturbed killer's gaming sessions would last up to 16 hours. Hang on a second, there are two words there uh, that are significant. And it's not gaming sessions, it's mentally disturbed. He was a nut job. He heard voices, hallucinated, and uh, had people telling him to kill people. I suggest it was that more than the violent video games that caused him to shoot 12 people. The AR-15 assault rifle that Alexis used is also one of the weapons in Call of Duty. He didn't use an AR-15 assault rifle. It was a shotgun. Not that that makes much difference, but if you're going to be specific about the weapon and link it to Call of Duty, then get it right, Daily Mail. Steve's on the M11. Morning, Steve. Morning. Steve, do you play these uh, video games? Uh, yeah, I've played video games since um, the age of about 15. And how many people have you killed in real life? Uh, none. You see? Very quickly, because it's not a brilliant line. Do you, do, do, do you think there's a link between these kind of things? Well, years, years ago, people used to read books and stuff, and they got addicted to books. So, I mean, it's more likely to go out and kill someone if you, you get addicted to books. Steve, I'm going to end it there because the line's not great. Uh, you, you, you may laugh at that. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye, Mark Chapman, read that several times and went and shot John Lennon. Should we ban books? If you're a nut job, you're a nut job. And when I see the sign that points one way, the lot we used to pass by every day. Deep inside the 
more of this Daily Mail story because it really is um, sensationalist tosh, I would suggest. You can give us a call about that or any of the things we're talking about this morning. 08459 455 555. It's coming up to 6.30 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's David Harris. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, routes across the county looking pretty good at the moment. The county is looking pretty good at the moment. Through St Albans, the A414 coping pretty well. Nothing really building up around the Park Street roundabout in Buckingham Town Centre. The total roundabout looking quite quiet as well. N25 heading anti-clockwise. It's looking slow at Junction 19 for Watford. Also, public transport is looking good. I'm David Harris at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, David. It's 6.13 News and Sport now, here's Catherine. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, the headline. Senior police officers are backing the idea of locking up people who've had too much to drink in cells run by private companies. Luton detectives have been questioning two 18-year-old men arrested in connection with last Friday's murder in Hastings Street. And a group of MPs is warning that the cost of a million pa- uh, sorry, multi-billion pound computer system for the NHS are continuing to rise two years after the government announced it was cra- scrapping the programme. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. It was a good night for Manchester United at Old Trafford as they began this season's Champions League campaign. They beat Bayer Leverkusen 4-2 in Group A with two goals from Wayne Rooney, including his 200th for the club. United's other goals were scored by Robin van Persie and Antonio Valencia. Manchester City, meanwhile, were 3-0 winners away to the Czech side Victoria Pilsen in Group D. City's goals were scored by Edin Dzeko, Yaya Toure and Sergio Aguero. The match also saw the return of the City captain Vincent Company following a groin injury. In the championship last night, a late penalty gave Watford a 2-1 win over Doncaster at Vicarage Road. Their manager Gianfranco Zola was pleased to pick up three points. The, the quality of the football improves, our creative opportunities. We are very unlucky not to score. Uh, to be honest, they had a couple of chances on counter when we made a mistake in uh, coming out with the ball, but uh, I believe in the end uh, the result is correct. In the conference, Luton Town beat Dartford 3-0 at Kenilworth Road thanks to goals from Paul Benson, Luke Gottridge and Alex Lawless. Here's Hatter's boss, John Still. I think Alex's done very well. But we, I think we're seeing a, a, a fit of Paul Benson as well now. His movement is so good, it's so clever. It brings so many people into play. So I think there's a bit of confidence in that as well. And I thought him and, and Luke Gutteridge worked really, really well, really clever between the two of them. And we've got some better quality balls in the box today good performance. Not such a good result for Boreham Wood in the Skrill South last night. They lost 2-0 at Farnborough. Meanwhile, in the Southern Premier, Hemel Hempstead stayed top after thrashing Bashley 4-1 and Chesham was second after beating Bedford 3-0. And that's your latest news and sports. Bashley! <laughs> I was waiting for that one. Sorry, I was busy. It's <laughs> your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 7 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Morning. This is only BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm going to buy a scarf today. That's going to be... Oh, I'm going into that there, London. And I'm going to go into one of the shops. I don't know. The Gap, Marks and Spencers, Next. They've got them all there. Not Next. And I'm too old for Next, aren't I? I think at 40? Yes, probably. And I'm going to buy a scarf Apparently they do sell scarves in Luton and indeed throughout the rest of uh, the three counties, but the ones in London are so much fancier, aren't they? Aren't they? No, of course they're not at all, but um, 
yes, that's what I'll be doing. Dealey, have you got have you got a scarf? Of course I have. You loads of them. No, you haven't got a scarf, have you? You've got a snood. Uh, now I've got snoods and scarves, both. That, well, remind me, a snood is is, is a, a hood, a, a hood and a scarf. Basically, I think the difference is in layman's terms, a scarf. Okay, it is just well, it, it's a long piece of material. Yes, but um, right. with a snood, it's joined up like a big circle. So you put that round your neck, and you're even warmer. And also, I guess that the benefit of wearing a snood is it, people can tell from a distance just how much of an idiot you are. <laughs> oh dear. Well, they they can, can't they? Is can that see, right? Yeah, yeah, they can see you've got yeah. no. Yeah, they can, oh, let me finish. They yeah, can see. On. Yeah, I will. They can see you've got no fashion sense. Right. Whatsoever. So they um, they can go, oh, I won't talk to that Muppet. Who's the source on this, by the way? I cannot reveal my sources, right. I'm afraid. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Justin. We've got a choice here, and mm. I'm going to give you the choice. I, I, I was told this week by a member of my team that you do um, you do a radio show as well, on this station, apparently. Yes, yeah, Saturday mornings between 9 and 12. Great songs and great memories. And you get, you get a lot of guests on there, and yeah. people request songs, and you've got a jukebox with a million CDs in, and yeah. all of that. Who's on there this week, by the way? Uh, uh, this week we have Benny King. Really? Yes. Is he not dead? No, he's still alive. What, what, what did Benny King sing? He, um, uh, Stand by me. Stand by me. Legend. He is a legend. Yes. Wow, fantastic. Uh, so we've got a choice. We can either do your bit now, mm-hmm. or we can play um, Abba, and then do your bit after. Now, oh. because because you are a disc jockey yourself, I yeah. thought I'd let you put you in the the hot seat. What, what would you do? I think, based on your um, fashion rant there, I think we should go for Abba. I presume it's what SOS. <laughs> yeah, let's do that then. Would you like to introduce it? This is Abba SOS on the Ian Lee Breakfast Show across beds, hearts, and bucks. A very good morning to you. Mm, didn't quite talk to the up to the vocals. Never mind. This is how you do it. Here's Abba.
we go, you see? Films are good, aren't they? We all like a good film, and some of us even like a rubbish film. I watched The Awful. What was the film I watched the other night? Um, oh, what was it? Ba- Battle- Battlefield Los Angeles or something. Oh, it was <laughs> It was a stinker. Have you seen that one, Just? No, I haven't, no. Oh, it's a, I mean, it was a stinker. I very nearly went to, to the pictures to see it. I'm glad I didn't. Um, and it, it was so bad that I, I kind of left it on as I was pottering around the house. and get, Basically, aliens invade the world, and but the American soldiers in Los Angeles managed to defeat them. Is, wow. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's based on a true story. Uh, But there are some films uh, that you watch on TV, on on VHS, Betamax, DVD these days, and you think, oh, oh, I wish I'd gone to the pictures to see that. Absolutely. Or also, I I remember, I I went through a thing of uh, the last couple of years watching a lot of movies on planes. I do like watching a movie on a plane. It makes me very emotional. I think it's the high altitude. makes me cry. I remember crying at a Jackie Chan film once on, a, on an aeroplane. Really? Yeah, I did. It was, I was crying because um, it was a return to form after a series of duds, and also I found it very emotional when his work colleagues were killed by a terrorist. Is anyway. it, I hate watching films on a plane. Really? Yeah, those stupid little headphones, and then suddenly halfway through, all the, the, the announcements come on. No, can't be doing with that. And also, they, they do edit quite a lot of bit, bits out of... I, I watched The Wrestler on an aeroplane, and I watched it again on TV a few years later and thought, none of this was in the, the film I saw. The Wrestler. What's oh, funny about that? The Wrestler. The Wrestler's a great film. Oh, you made me laugh. Why would... Oh, I'm learning something about you today. Why would me, enjoying The Wrestler starring Mickey Rooney, no, I mean Rourke, why would that make you laugh? It's a cracking film. When have you ever been interested in wrestling? Um, in the late 1970s, early uh, 80s. with Big Daddy. With Big Daddy, yeah, of course. Wow. Daddy Splat. So you don't like football, but you like wrestling? Yeah, of course I do. Strange, man. But that's a proper sport. No, it's not. Anyway, mm. this morning, for some reason, the last two weeks you go, I've got a great story, big man. I've got a great story. Get us two yeah. coughs, three shugs. Great story. Uh, I want to do films. And, and I've just sat in the office going, whatever, Justin, I'm really not interested. But you, you're adamant about this. It, it's films that you wish you'd seen at the cinema. Yeah. Where does this come from? There's a report out today, and it's named the uh, top ten movies that we wish we'd seen on the big screen. Yep. Now, uh, the top three, Psycho, The Wizard of Oz, and Gone with the Wind. Oh. These are classic films that people have maybe seen on on TV or on DVD, and they're watching them, and they're thinking, I wish I was around, or I wish I'd had the opportunity to go to the cinema to watch them, because, you know, undoubtedly, if you go and watch a film at the cinema, it just brings something to it, the atmosphere, the people around you, and Psycho, seeing that on DVD, on the small screen, doesn't do a lot for me, but on the big screen, that would definitely work. No, it wouldn't work, because all three of those films you mentioned are tedious and overrated. All three? Yeah. Oh, Gone with the Wind is awful, Dealey. And The Wizard of Oz, oh, for goodness sake. like carry on singing in the rains on this list. It's a Wonderful That's Life, a... Casablanca. Now, they're Breakfast good films. Tiffany. They are good like films. Hearts, West Side Story and Ben-Hur. Is your favourite on there? Because I know you love Cocktail. Love Cocktail. No, it's not on the list. That's not on there. That's a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those things in Hawaii would have maybe come alive a bit more. Aruba, Jamaica. <laughs> Ooh, I want to take you to Bermuda. Bahama, come on, pretty mama. Kill Lago, Montego, Bay. I wanna take it down to Kokomo. We'll get there fast and then we'll take it slow. That's where we wanna go. We're down in Kokomo. 
Very good. <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, when this this gig ends for both of us, is it, it probably will after that. Yes. Uh, do you want to start a Beach Boys tribute band with me? Yeah, why not? I All right. Make a I mean, anyway, go on. You've been talking to people about this, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I've been talking to cinema goers, and um, the guy at the end is very, very strange. Ian, you will love this guy. But um, I've been talking to, to cinema goers about the films they wish they'd seen at the cinema, and here's what people had to say. Uh, Wizard of Oz. Uh, Gone with the Wind. Why the Wizard of Oz? Because it goes into colour, from went from the black and white to the the magical of the colour. I would love to have seen that. Love to have seen it the original in the day when it came out. And gone with the wind, though, mind you. After three hours, you get a sore backside, wouldn't you? At least if you watch it at home, you can go and make yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, something like that. No, no. I think seeing something in the cinema is just it's absolutely brilliant. You can't beat it. Italian job. Michael Caine. Minis. <laughs> Uh, the Lord of the Rings films I never really got a chance to see them at the cinema I only saw them uh, when they came out on DVD so I wish I saw those at the cinema Amy you're the second person tonight to mention Gone with the Wind what would have been so special about watching that film at the cinema just seeing it on the big screen something about the whole love affair and the big story it would have been great to have seen it on the big screen definitely uh, probably E.T. Um, I just saw a a very uh, sort of scratchy video of it many years ago. And you hear with your partner tonight. Would you go along with that then? Et yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I saw it recently on television, and I, I cried my eyes out. Yeah. You know, it's just such an emotional film, and it's such a where well, you know it appeals to adults and children. So it's a good real film, family film. Brilliant. What are you off to see tonight, by the way? Um, we're off to see Rush. Is it 1976? It's set oh, yeah. in, isn't it? Yeah. That's the year we got married. <laughs> oh right. And I was a big James Hunt fan. And Nicky and I, was, Lau- I was a big, yeah. uh, I was a big uh, Grand Prix fan, so right. I, was, I actually saw them racing quite regularly in those days. Wow. So uh, brings back a lot of memories. Come on, then, Nick. Give me your film titles. Uh, I'm going to say 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, the original. Uh, Exorcist as well. Old school horror, revolutionary. You look a bit creepy with them eyes when you're telling me about these films as well. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's not a compliment. (laughs) Do you know what? I actually know somebody who saw The Exorcist. The first night it came out, it was in Leicester Square, and they came out and they said that everyone was being sick outside. Now, based on what you just heard there, would you still have wanted to see that at the cinema? Yeah, I think so. It's just like with nowadays horror... The censorship has sort of died. People are more used to this sort of stuff, so I think going back with now sort of ideals of horror, I think be all right with that sort of stuff. You got a girlfriend? No. no I don't think so. Thank you. No worries. Your mother sucks lollipops in hell. <laughs> it's a good. Fi- the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favourite favourites. I love that film. But you got to say, if you watch that at the cinema, yep. you, you can pick up on the emotion around you. People Ooh. being terrified. It'd be great. Do you know, I, I went to the cinema to see that actually a few years ago. There was a, that they were rescreening it, and yes, it was wonderful in there. Mm. Absolutely uh, wonderful. And that person I mentioned, The Exorcist, uh, yep. that, that was a true story about somebody I know who saw that film. They came out and they were ill, and we're talking about somebody. Who who's a, a bit of a hard nut at the time, um, they just couldn't handle what they'd seen. I mean, it'd be interesting to know well, if anybody else listening saw that the opening night and they were also ill. Well, Catherine Boyle's just messaging me saying, I saw The Exorcist at Leicester Square, everyone laughed. The thing is, she is old enough to have seen it first time around. So <laughs> I, I, maybe she was... Uh, Paul Scoynes, the BBC Three Counties political reporter, at least I think he is, although I've not seen him for a month. Yeah, where is he? He's never seen... A horror film. And come come a bit closer, Justin. Mm, okay, but... He's not allowed to. His wife has forbidden him from watching a horror film. Why? I, t- I guess she's scared that maybe he'll wet the bed or something. What's the scariest horror film we can think of? 
Let's sit him down. Let's tie him to a BBC chair and force him to watch a horror film. Uh, Daily, I am there, sir. I am there. Thank you very much indeed. Excellent stuff. Well, you can have your say. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. What films do you wish you'd seen at the cinema? Forget the fact it costs a fortune these days. It, it is, I do find it much more enjoyable watching films at the cinema. It's that shared experience. Although saying that, to completely contradict myself, ever been in the cinema entirely on your own? Isn't that fun? Like a private screening. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We can give me a call. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Delays on the M25, anti-clockwise, there's a lane closed. It's an accident just after Watford at Junction 19 with congestion back to Junction 21 at the M1. So traffic joining from the M1 is going straight into a queue if you're going onto the anti-clockwise carriageway. The accident is blocking lane 4 just after Junction 19. There are also delays going anti-clockwise into the roadwork section, so it's looking slow past Junction 25 Enfield toward 24 at Potter's Bar. And some of that traffic already looks like it's tailing back toward Junction 26 around Waltham Abbey. Things generally quite clear, though, on the other main routes through the three counties. The M1 looking fine on the cameras. No delays yet to or from Bedford or Milton Keynes. And the A1 looking like a clear run until you get further into London, where you'll find slow traffic from Apex Corner toward Milton Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Nice of you to turn up. 6.47, it's uh, Wednesday, the 18th of September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Senior police are calling for the introduction of so-called drunk tanks, cells where the drunk and disorderly will be held by private companies who'll charge them for their stay. Luton detectives have arrested two 18-year-old men in connection with a fatal stabbing in Hastings Street last Friday. And in sport, Sir Bradley Wiggins takes a 33-second lead in today's fourth stage of cycling's Tour of Britain after winning yesterday's time trial by more than half a minute. Coming up, should Scotland be an independent country? And can I ask you a, a question, Beds, Hearts and Bucks? Well, it's a big story. It's a year to, until the, the vote takes place. Are you bothered by it in the slightest? Does it concern you? Have you got thoughts in it? Or do you kind of think, ah, really? I kind of do. I, I am slightly concerned about it, but I don't know why. 08459 555. Let's get the weather. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, if you are heading out, it's a bit of a grey start this morning. However, it's a good news day. It is an improvement on yesterday. Any cloud around this morning will sink south. It'll break up and we'll get some really nice sunny spells to enjoy. May get one or two showers, but they're fairly unlikely. Too many people will see them. They're going to float through quite quickly if you do catch one, but it will be unlucky. Maximum temperature warmer, 16 Celsius, 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, overnight, it's going to be quite chilly. It's going to drop down in temperature fairly quickly because of the clearing skies this afternoon but through the early hours of tomorrow morning the cloud increases from the west minimum temperature 6 celsius 43 degrees in fahrenheit a cloudy start tomorrow and the rain will arrive now the cloud arriving overnight is uh, the view of these weather systems heading our way for tomorrow which means wet and windy weather for the middle part of the day it will ease off towards the latter part of the afternoon although the temperature is going to be similar today it's not going to feel quite as pleasant because of all that cloud and rain the maximum 16 celsius 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. And that's your forecast. Thank you very much. 
08459 555 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Saturdays on BBC Three Counties Radio are about... Six minutes past six starting your Saturday morning. Let's get stuck straight into the news. Memories. Let's begin with the UK charts from this day. 1980. Food. My Weekend Kitchen brings you delicious, simple recipes for you to make at home. Sport. Live commentary every week from your local team. And local unsigned music. BBC Introducing, bringing you local music to beds, hearts and bucks. For full programme details, go online to bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Saturdays on BBC Three Counties Radio. of the phoenix <laughs> all ends with beginnings what keeps the planet spinning ah uh, the force from the beginning
Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. And today marks one year to go until voters in Scotland take part in a referendum which will ask them the straight question, should uh, Scotland... Oh, there we go, there's a Freudian slip. Should Scotland be an independent country? Well, if the Scottish people choose to break away, what will it mean for us in England? And how would it affect the Scottish people? Joining me now uh, to discuss this is Dr Matt Vortrup, who's an expert in referendums at Cranfield University. Morning, Matt. Good morning. This is a hugely significant referendum. It could change what's been in place for centuries, couldn't it? It could indeed. Scotland could become an independent country, um, and that obviously would um, be rather different. But um, I think in the in the sort of greater scheme of things, it probably won't have that much of an impact. Uh, the United Kingdom, the rest of the United Kingdom, would probably still keep its seat at the uh, United Nations Security Council. And uh, so I think it, in some ways it would be cosmetic, even if, of course, it would be very symbolic. So we would still be called the United Kingdom. Uh, would it have any impact on England? Well, it obviously would have some impact. There'll be some money that would be lost due to the, the revenue from the Scottish Oriel. But then equally, there's quite a lot of money going the other way. So when you're looking at it, England might, or England and Wales and Northern Ireland, might together actually save a little bit of money uh, because there's actually a little bit more money going to Scotland that's coming from Scotland at the moment. But we're talking about um, relatively small sums of money here. I've heard the argument that it seems a little bit one-sided, that the Scots are getting the vote on whether they should stay or or should go, whereas England are having no say in this at all. Yeah, well, that's, um, it, there have probably been about 150 referendums on independence since, uh, since the, the French Revolution. And actually, it's only in two of those that the mother country, if you like, has been allowed to vote. And um, back in the day when Estonia, Latvia and, uh, and the Ukraine seceded from the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union didn't get a, the, the right to vote. And it wouldn't have probably been fair for them to get the right to vote there. So, so I think it, it's established in international law and probably also in political morality that the the country from which you secede should not be allowed to 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 block it matt what would happen this might sound like it seem like a a silly naive question what would happen to the union flag if scotland leave the union it would probably be awkward that it it looks like it does but uh, but then again i mean there are quite a lot of countries that have become independent they haven't changed their flag even if the the insignia of the of the country that seceded is still on it. Um, most recently, it was Sudan, where South Sudan became an independent country, and that didn't change their flag. So there might be a bit of a push towards changing the flag. But um, it, it's one of those things where we're talking about more sort of like the, the aesthetics of it and, and less the, the practicalities. Do we know how much um, call there is for independence in Scotland, or is this the Scottish Nationalist Party stirring things up? I think the the, the opinion polls indicate that uh, Scotland would vote no. There's, there's been a bit of a, a narrowing of the polls, and, and a lot of people would probably put their money on a no vote. Having said that, in 1975 there was a referendum whether Britain should leave the the EEC, which later became the EU. Uh, initially, the polls were were 60-40, and people wanted to leave the EU. Within a year, Wilson, uh, Harold Wilson, who was then Prime Minister, changed it all around, and people voted yes to staying in. Uh, equally, when we had a referendum a few years ago about the electoral system, initially 70% wanted to change the electoral system, and when there was a vote a year later, uh, 70% were against that. 
So opinion polls can change in a year. It's a long time in politics. Matt, thank you very much indeed. That's Dr Matt Voltrup, who's an expert in referendums at Cranfield University. You're going to be reading and hearing a lot about this today because it is a year exactly until the referendum uh, goes ahead. Uh, And as we get closer to that, you're going to be reading and hearing more. Does it really concern you? When we were talking about doing this yesterday, I was was struggling to, to, to wonder if... You, the listener, embeds hearts and bucks, felt anything towards this. I can't quite work it out. I need to speak, you, I need to, speak to you. You're my eyes and ears this morning, uh, letting me know what you think about Scottish independence. Are you strongly against it? Are you strongly for it? Or is it a collective shrug of the shoulders I can hear? 08459 455 555. Does the prospect of Scottish independence concern you in the slightest? Do you have incredibly strong feelings about it? Or do you think, ah, really? Who cares? Let them do what they want. 08459 455 555. Right, it's time to get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heavy traffic on the M25 anti-clockwise Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks, but there's problems further around anti-clockwise. An accident just after Watford at Junction 19 means that Lane 4 is still blocked just after that junction, and there's congestion on the motorway back as far as the M1 at Junction 21. It's taking well over half an hour to get through there. If you're driving through St Albans, they continue with the water main work on the Hatfield Road. It's just after the junction with Ashley Road. And works in Beaconsfield have been getting busy the last few mornings along the A355. Some temporary traffic lights up between Burnham Road and Hare Hatch Lane, quite near to Dorney Bottom. If you're driving into London, the A1 southbound through Boreham Wood is queuing from the Holiday Inn Junction down toward Mill Hill Circus. Trains and tubes, though, are doing well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. I'm reading more of this article in the Daily Mail about video games, Grand Theft Auto V. There's a great line at the end of the piece by James Dellingpole. Is he trying to get people scared? Really? Here's the news with Catherine. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headline, senior police back drunk tank plans, two more arrests after Luton stabbing and Hearts headmaster claims boarding schools can be a cheaper option. BBC Three Counties Radio. Senior police officers have backed the idea of locking up people who've had too much to drink in cells run by private companies. Anyone kept in the so-called drunk tanks would be charged a fee the next morning in plans backed by the Chief Constable of Northamptonshire, Adrian Lee. Graeme Satchel has more. Half of all violent crime is linked to alcohol. Mr Lee describes 24-hour opening as a brave experiment that hasn't worked. He's critical of the government for not implementing a minimum price for alcohol. And he suggested people who need medical attention for being drunk should be looked after in privately run facilities known as drunk tanks or drunk cells. When they'd sobered up, the company would charge them for their care and the police would issue them with a fixed penalty fine. The government says it's taking a wide range of action to tackle crime and disorder caused by alcohol. 
Two 18-year-old men have been arrested by police investigating a murder in Luton last Friday. 19-year-old Micah Urquhart was found with stab wounds a short distance from his home in Hastings Street. He died at the scene. Bedfordshire police are appealing for witnesses. A report by MPs has recommended that the number of nurses on duty in every English hospital should be collected and published. The Commons Health Select Committee was giving its response to the Francis Inquiry into failings at Stafford Hospital, where poor care may have contributed to the deaths of hundreds of people. Thames Valley Police are warning of a new phone scam which has already claimed 17 victims in Milton Keynes. Tony Fisher has more. Courier fraud, as it's known, is often targeted at the elderly and vulnerable. The victim is tricked into revealing their bank details over the phone before their card is then collected by a courier. In other cases, victims are conned into cutting their cards in half before posting them to the fraudster, who simply tapes the card back together. Police want those with elderly relatives or neighbours to be on the lookout. Sending a child to boarding school can be more cost-effective than shuttling children to different sports and activities, according to a leading headmaster from Hertfordshire. Ray McGovern from St George's School in Harpenden says that boarding schools are not elitist and insists they can be a good option for working parents, single-parent families and people living in rural areas. There's concern this morning that the number of dogs abandoned by their owners may be on the rise, while national figures from the Dogs Trust suggest the number of stray dogs they take in is decreasing. It would seem that's not the picture in Bedfordshire. Julie Shelton owns Apple Down Kennels in Eaton Bray. It is awful. This is the busiest we have ever, ever known it. I've spoken to other people in rescue kennels and stray kennels and they're all saying the same. We have never, ever had as many dogs as this. In the Championship last night, a late penalty gave Watford a 2-1 win over Doncaster at Vicarage Road. Meanwhile, Luton Town were 3-0 winners at home to Dartford in the conference. The weather, sunshine with a chance of isolated showers and a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. Thank you, Catherine. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven, it's Wednesday. Lots to talk about, and as always, looking forward to chatting to you on the phone. I'll give you the contact details in a little bit. Coming up, police chiefs are calling for privately run drunk tanks to be considered to help tackle alcohol fueled disorder. Is it a good idea or is it a little bit unfair? Kennels in beds, hearts and bucks are full of strays, but why do people abandon their dogs? A couple of other things. Scottish independence, do you care? Really, if you're not playing video games, I strongly suggest that you're missing out on something. And this furore that the Daily Mail is uh, instigating around Grand Theft Auto 5 is completely unjustified. I'll read you some of James Dellingpole's article a bit later on. Sensationless pap. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Are drunk tanks a good idea? Well, they're a suggestion from the Association of Chief Police Officers. It says that more needs to be done to tackle a culture of drinking to excess and alcohol-related crime. ACPO says 50% of all violent crime involves alcohol and dealing with it costs the police £11 billion a year. 
Well, Chief Constable Adrian Lee is the national policing lead on alcohol harm. He says we need a public debate. Those who set out to get drunk and get to a state of affairs where they're incapable of looking after their own safety. And the police pick that up. That's public money being used irresponsibly, I think. And I want to to know what the public think about that. Is that how the public wants us to use our resource? Well, he's backing the introduction of these drunk tanks. Troublemakers who are drunk and disorderly would be locked up in cells run by private firms who then recoup the cost by charging them in the morning. And according to the Daily Telegraph, that charge would be... How much? How much? £400 a night. That's a night in a very, very nice hotel. With breakfast thrown in as well. Get as much as you want from the breakfast buffet. Uh, they'd also have to pay a fine. Now, not everyone thinks the plan would work. I'm joined now by Gary Topley, who used to drink heavily and is an alcohol awareness specialist. Gary, what do you think of this idea? I think there's a lot of grey areas um, in it myself. Um, for example, how would um, you care for someone that's dependent on alcohol that's been repeatedly picked up um, weekend after weekend or night after night compared to somebody that's gone out on a weekend, you know, got gone a bit over the top with their friends and, and, and been arrested? Um, for example, you know, a Christmas party or something like that. Um, I don't think, my personally, there is a one-size-fits-all fit, approach and people have to be dealt with individually. If, if people are drunk and they're, they're causing trouble on the streets, though, whether they are, you know, a, a, an alcoholic or they're just someone out on a bit of a bender on a Friday night, it, it's not fair, is it, that the police have to spend so much of their time and resources dealing with them? No, I completely agree. You know, they, they should be focusing on, on, on other crimes and, you know, they shouldn't be taking or using their resources up um, concentrating on the alcohol-related violence that is happening in our towns and cities. Well, but if they, if they see the, the, the... But again, it's alcohol-related violence. If they see the, those drunks, shouldn't they just put them in the back of the van, take them to a drunk tank and say, right, there you go, cool off in there? Then you've got to look at how it's going to be implemented, you know, if... if um, for example, you said £400, how is that going to be implemented? What if these people are on benefits? Are they going to pay back like a pound a week back? Obviously then they're going to lose money because not everyone's going to, going to pay it. So it's reinforcing that as, that as well to try and you know, get the money back. What do you think should be done with uh, um, drunken people? Um, there's a big long list of stuff, you know, there's a lot more education needs to be done in schools. I believe it should start younger. There is, you know, some already but not enough, um, you know, to, to make people aware um, you know, when enough is enough. Um, and a lot more other stuff um, should go on as well. It's it's not going to stop alcoholics drinking, is it, at all? No, you know, like, like, like I said, depend, people that are dependent on alcohol, you know, how, how is this going to help them? I can't see it helping them. You know, I, I mean, people that, you know, are severely dependent where they go out shoplifting alcohol, for example. You know, that is a criminal offence, and if they're doing it under the influence, obviously they're going to be arrested for theft or whatever it may be, and then are they going to be, then be taken to one of these drink tanks? Well, I imagine if they've been caught um, shoplifting, that they, they'd be taken to a, a proper jail and, and charged appropriate, appropriately with that. It's, it's, it's interesting. Twice I've noticed you say, how's it going to help them? Why should we be helping them? Because, again, you know, you know, it is taking up a lot of money in, in, in society, a lot, a lot of public money, um, and there should, there should be other, other stuff in place, which there isn't. There should be, you know, more access to treatment centres and things like that. There's not enough a- access to treatment centres. You look at rehabs, for example. It's only the rich and famous can go to rehabs because no one can f- afford to go to them. Well, that's, slight, that's slightly disingenuous. There are, there are uh, plenty of rehabs throughout the country that, that aren't for rich and famous people, that, that the ordinary man and woman off the street can go to, aren't there? 
Well, so that all depends on funding again. So, you know, a, a person just can't walk off the street and say, right, I want a um, detox for the next 12 weeks. Um, well, no, you have, to, you have to book it in through the medical places. But I know plenty of people who've been to, to detoxes that, that haven't cost them thousands of pounds. Again, it's, it's fun, fun independent, you know, so... But also, people aren't going to want to get help. They're not going to, you know, they can't be forced to, to get clean, can they, if they don't want to? That's right, you know, that's another story. They can't, they can't be forced. You have to do it when you're good and ready. Um, it took me 16 years of, of abusing alcohol until I was good and ready to stop. Um, and a lot of that came from, you know, my, my um, child that was born and, and my partner that I was with. Uh, do you think this is just a money-making exercise, Gary? Um, I think it is a money-making exercise. Like I said, there is a lot of grey areas in it. Again, the level of care would be... Um, different to somebody that's been drinking to somebody that's been de- dependent um, and, and again you know get, getting the money off people if, if someone charged you for 400 pounds for doing it you know would you be say be saying yeah I'll, you know I'll pay that not a problem you know there's going to be a lot of people saying look you know I only went out I drank too much and now I've got to pay this I'm not paying it so will it be enforced by the courts or just by this private commercial company uh, Gary just in case there's anybody listening who may be suffering with an alcohol problem how long have you been sober for? Uh, five years in three months. Well, there you go. Happy birthday. Fantastic stuff. Gary, thank you. Gary Topley used to drink heavily. He's now an alcohol awareness specialist. What do you think? 08459 455555. Five, five, five. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. In a year, a year from today, uh, the Scotch will be voting on independence. Are you bothered by it in the slightest and beds, hearts and bucks? We were talking about this yesterday and I couldn't work out if you, the listener, would be really passionate about this or kind of shrugging your shoulders. It's an odd one, isn't it? 08459 455 555. Richard's in Wednesday. Morning, Richard. Good morning, my dear. How are you? Yeah, very well, Richard. Splendid. Um, yeah, I read an article a few years back about um, the likelihood of uh, the currency they may end up with. Basically, what the article was saying was that if, uh, at the moment, they're part of the United Kingdom, so they are part of the EU, so they have the um, we have sterling. Yep. But if they leave the United Kingdom, they'll effectively leave the EU. If they wish to rejoin that, part of the conditions of rejoining the EU is that you would take on board the, the euro now, I'm sure you've got experts listening that know more about this than I do, and I just wonder how happy they would feel up in Scotland if they ended up in Europe. Well, Richard, I know a little bit more about it than you do. Okay. Shall I tell you? They, 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 there is no precedent for this, so it's it's unclear whether they would have to uh, join the euro. Well, the, the only precedent there is is Sweden, who who uh, joined the EU uh, and they voted out of using the euro. So the precedent has been set that they wouldn't necessarily have to have the euro. Well, I'm not sure that applies now, because I understand anyone who applies now to join it uh, would have to take the euro. So that may have been the case with Sweden, which I think was some long time ago. It's about ten years ago, yes, 2003. And they have changed things yeah. slightly. But it is, it's, uh, it, it hasn't, they've not had um, a, a devolved country joining the EU yet. So it's, it is uncharted territory, and I would have thought well, there would have been... Let's, let's look at me knowing my stuff. Let's get an expert on it, because it's rather fascinating. <laughs> Are you saying I'm not an expert, Richard? I beg pardon? Are you saying I'm not an expert? Well, are you aware of the definition of an expert? 
Um, let's get an expert on to discuss that, shall day, we? I know you said the other day that you were an expert. Yes. And I, and I, I refrain from phoning you up, giving you a definition of an expert, but I'll happily give it to you now if you wish. Please do, Richard. An expert has been, and a spurt is a drip under pressure. Thank you very much indeed. I'm not a clue what that was about, but thank you, Richard. <clears throat> it is uncharted territory in terms of uh, Scotland having to join the Euro. George Osborne, of course, could play a naughty game on them and say, ah, yeah, so you're devolved, are you? Right, well, we're not going to allow you to print banknotes anymore. He could do that. Wouldn't that be... I, don't, I hate Scottish money anyway. Oh, it's the worst thing when you, the worst thing when you go to Scotland and you come back with brown £10 notes and you get into a cab or you try and buy... I'm not taking that, mate. You have to. No, I don't. Oh, and you can't get rid of them. Those horrible brown £10 notes that you just can't get rid of. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call on that. And uh, you may be wondering how I knew a lot about that. I knew what Richard was going to ask me, so I googled it very quickly. <laughs> I was reading an article from the New Statesman. That's how I know. Um, <clears throat> uh, who's this from? Karen has emailed him. Uh, Ian, I've lived in England for 30 years. I say give Scotland independence. They won't last five minutes. We must not give them any money. The, they should sort their own problem out. As far as I'm concerned, I'm English. I'm assuming, Karen, that you've moved from Scotland. Is that right? OK, yes. Um, 08459 455 555. And uh, we're talking about films that you, you wish you'd seen at the cinema instead of on DVD or on the telly. Ian, The Exorcist is rubbish and dated. I'll give you that. Yes, Julie, it is a little bit rubbish. It had to resort to subliminal messages to make people sick. I don't think it did. Subliminal messages in The Exorcist. I thought that subliminal messages were illegal. Many movies, movies have done this. Alfred Hitchcock was a master at it for his movies too. Subliminal messages? In movies? Really? Really? Well, let's go. I, I'm being told that uh, Kelly Betts who uh, is, is still just a member of our team here at BBC Three Counties uh, Radio, has studied film at college. By that, it means she sat there with a long cigarette watching DVDs. I'm joking. Kelly Betts? Yes. The subliminal um, the bits in movies. Has that happened? Apparently, for The Exorcist... Now, this is apparently. Don't say that it's the truth or anything. Um, they recorded the sound of your house being heated. Mine? Put it in The Exorcist. Not yours, Maybe yours. Yes. It's been yours, you know. You've been in the industry for a while. Thank you. Um, it's it's the sound of your um, pipes heating up that yes. they used in The Exorcist so that when um, oh. you'd hear that and you'd hear it in your house, you'd be reminded of that film and you'd be, feel scared again. Something like that. So the Really listen. <laughs> you missed out on the, the course. Okay, so you're saying that there is a, a subliminal recording of uh, heating pipes in that yeah. film. So when you go... What, 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 what degree did you get from this course? I passed. Wow, you got a pass? Yeah. Wow, and what yeah. does that entitle you to? Like, you discounted popcorn at Odeon? No, I can just say things about films like this. There we go, fantastic. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Delays on the M25 anti-clockwise, firstly into the roadworks while from Abbey to Enfield, but then as you continue round, long delays following an accident. This is just after Junction 19 at Watford. The congestion all the way back to Junction 22 at St Albans is taking, on average, 45 minutes to get through, possibly a little lo- uh, longer than that, 
It's lane four that is blocked just after junction 19 at Watford. Still looking really bad on the cameras round there. The A1 into London delays. Queues from the Holiday Inn Junction at Boreham Wood down toward Mill Hill Circus. Roadworks on the M40, of course, still ongoing. They're not causing any problems at the minute, but if you're going up as far as junction 7 at Tame, you have... 50 mile an hour speed restriction and narrow lanes. We're looking okay past High Wycombe. In Milton Keynes, the A5 along the Fenny Stratford bypass, still one lane closed for junction improvement works as you come down to the McDonald's roundabout at the A4146. Trains and tubes running to time. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, I'm being presented with the most um, incredible um, line of nonsense from Kelly. I don't know if you've heard Kelly Betts there, apparently studied film at mm. college and she passed. She's telling me that, and this is this is not a particularly nice story, but but bear with me, that that Judy Garland's husband during the filming of The Wizard of Oz hanged himself, right. and they had to put in a flying witch to, that you could see the body in the film. Have you heard this? No, surely not. That can't, that can't be true, can it? I would have thought that would be a bit inappropriate. <laughs> it would have been very inappropriate. I'm, I'm heading off to Google. Right, it's 7.17. It is uh, Wednesday, the 18th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Senior police officers have backed the idea of locking up the drunk and disorderly in private-run cells for which they'll incur a charge. Luton detectives are questioning two 18-year-olds arrested in connection with Friday's fatal stabbing in Hastings Street. In sport, Watford beats Doncaster 2-1 in the championship last night, while Luton Town were 3-0 winners at home to Dartford in the conference and we're just getting um, uh, in from our news department an exclusive, uh, the story about Judy Garland's husband hanging himself on the set of The Wizard of Oz, according to Catherine Boyle, is utter balls. BBC Three Counties Radio. Strictly's back. Who'll be the prince of the Paso and who'll trip up on their tango? It started with a sparkle as the stars were revealed. My favourite is the hairy biker. Mr Chaplin. I think he's going to surprise us. Sophie Ellis back, sir. Mark Benton. He'll really enjoy it. Then the pro dancers added their glitter. Olive's gorgeous. Pasha. Awesome. He's got a really strong presence. James. Cheeky <laughs> Chappie. And now the judges want to see who will dazzle on the dance floor. Let's skip to the good bit. Natalie, I think she'll have that flair. She'll be a strong girl. Big Ben. Sportsmen always go for it. A weekend of Strictly Come Dancing starts next Friday night at 9 on BBC One and BBC One HD. OK, we're being told now. This, this is fact. I love these kind of b- b- myths and things like that. We're being told it wasn't her husband. It was actually a, a munchkin who decided to kill himself on the set of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, and apparently you can see it. I have the eight second clip in front of me. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Um, absolutely nothing whatsoever. It's a load of old nonsense. Thank you very much indeed. That's wasted seven seconds. Seven seconds of airtime, Kelly Betts. It's nonsense. I'm not watching the wrong clip. I'm, oh. I'm reading an article. It's when they're skipping down the road, is it? it? Is, yes. Yeah. There's an article from the Telegraph, uh, The Wizard of Oz. Google it. The Wizard of Oz and the real story of the hanging munchkin. So it is complete and utter nonsense. But thank you so much, Kelly. Anytime. Well, you're welcome. We've uh, we filled up three seconds of, of airtime. Back to this, the Daily Mail. <clears throat> Grand Theft Auto 5, which I, I think was released yesterday. You're lucky I'm here, as I've been sent my copy. 
Now, I knew that the, 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 the Daily Mail, it's not just two pages, it's two and a half pages. A game that spawns violence, torture and murder with the addictive glamour of Hollywood. They've already tried to link it to the shooting uh, of 12 people in the United States of America, despite the fact uh, he did the shooting before the game was released. So, that's... James Dellingpole has... My verdict. Um, he's basically played the game a little bit and, and reviewed it. It normalises extreme violence and cruelty, so the longer you play, the more you not only become inured to it, but start to find yourself gripped and even sickly amused by the action unfolding before your parents. As a middle-aged parent, I like to think I'm mature enough to be able to appreciate the game's uh, violence. But whether the game's teenage target market is so readily capable of making such distinctions, I'm not sure. It's got an 18 rating on it. An 18 rating, which I would suggest means that 17 and 16-year-olds could probably get away with playing it. I was certainly watching X-rated films at that age. But if parents, parents are allowing their 11, 10, 9-year-old kids to play it, then that's their fault. You shouldn't be. He goes on to say, this is his last paragraph, and this is awful. The fact that this is the most popular computer game on the market should make us all shudder and pray that the violence on the screen doesn't bleed into Britain's streets. Pray that the violence on the screen doesn't bleed into Britain's streets. It won't. There will be nut jobs that will go out and will kill people and will stab people and will shoot prostitutes. That will happen anyway, whether this game comes out or not. There are dangerous reporters like Mr James Dellingpole who will try and draw a link between the two. 08459 four double five five double five. You can have your say on that if you want. Now, the owner of a... Uh, last year, 173 stray dogs were put down in the three counties after they were abandoned by their owners. Uh, those figures come from out local authorities. And the owner of a Bedfordshire kennel says her experience suggests the problem with stray dogs is getting worse. That's even though figures released by the Dogs Trust today suggest nationally the number of strays is dropping. But Julie Shelton, who owns Apple Down Kennels in Eaton Bray, says the problem has got worse this summer. It is awful. This is the busiest we have ever, ever known it. I've spoken to other people in rescue kennels and stray kennels, and they're all saying the same. We have never, ever had as many dogs as this. Can you put a figure on it? We probably have somewhere around about 70 dogs here at the moment, strays and rescue, and we had never got above 58 up to the beginning of the summer. Nationally, the trend seems to be a fall in the number of strays, but are places like this always under pressure, no matter what the situation? We're always under pressure. I think the problem is the figures that you're seeing nationally or that will be coming out were for last year. And yes, it was marginally down, but only marginally down. It stayed steady at the start of this year and then from the beginning of the summer has gone very, very busy. And I think that will be a national trend that will show up from who I've spoken to. But we're never calm and quiet. And is this down to the economic recession? No, that's a complete excuse. It's the fact that people get dogs without giving it any thought. They don't research the breed of dog they get. They treat them as a disposable item and get rid of them. We had one thrown into our car park yesterday. It's people's attitude, I'm afraid. It's nothing to do with anything else. It is entirely down to the type of people that get dogs. We can talk now to Elvira Mucci-Lyons, who's head of campaigns at the Dogs Trust. Good morning, Elvira. Good morning. Uh, your research shows a downward trend nationally in the number of strays, but that doesn't seem to be borne out locally. Has the situation changed in the past couple of months, do you think? Well, we will only know really the, um, sort of next year, but it has been, there has been a decrease, but it is a marginal decrease, as we were hearing before, and there's still an awful lot of dogs 
out there that are being sort of left, abandoned, unwanted for a variety of reasons. Well, what are some of those reasons, Elvira? I can't imagine why anybody would have a pet and then then get rid of it. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, it is a combination of factors and that's why it's so hard to address it. The first and foremost, it is that people still think of dogs as disposable items. Absolutely right. They don't think of the consequences of getting a dog. A dog is for life. We always say that dogs trust, but also you've got to think 15 odd years, cost of veterinary care, cost of food, everything, effort, time to take it out. So they don't think it through. They don't think about the breeds, the training and all that. But there's, there are other factors, to be fair. There's a factor that people do their best by the dog and then find themselves that they have no money to keep this dog. Um, or the dogs get sort of lost and never get back to the owner because unfortunately microchipping is still not as high as we want it to be. A, a significant number of stray dogs are being put down by local authorities. Are, are you concerned about those figures? Do you know, local authorities are working in very difficult circumstances and we never ever point fingers because we see how much work in the last 10, 15 years they've put into sort of getting that figure further down every year. So, yes, it is very sad to see the still dogs have been put down for want of a good home, but we can't blame the local authorities. They are overwhelmed, as are organisations across the UK for animal welfare. You mentioned microchipping. The government's going to introduce compulsory microchipping yes. of dogs by 2016. Are you in favour of that? Absolutely. We've been lobbying for many, many years, and we are extremely happy that this is coming in 2016 and 2015 in Wales. In the meantime, we would urge dog owners to make the most of all the free microchipping schemes that organisations like ourselves have been offering and are still offering across the UK. Are there regional differences in, in the way that strays are caught? Not so much the way strays are caught, um, but we do see fluctuations in, in stray numbers because there's differences in, in you know the way strays are, uh, dogs are looked after and perceived across the country. But every local authority should have a dog warden service, and you know anyone picking up a dog has to refer back to dog warden because the dog has to go to dog warden for at least seven days, five days in Northern Ireland. We heard uh, from Julie Shelton there, who owns uh, a kennels yeah. in Eaton Brain. She, I was shocked when she said that just yesterday they'd had someone chuck a dog into the car park. And they'd yeah. eight, they got eight dogs in total yesterday. One of them was just chucked into the car park. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunately, you, you'll be shocked to hear that it's no surprise to us. We get dogs chucked into our reception downstairs at head office um and it is like that people sometimes mean mean well by by putting in the reception of our dog welfare organizations but it is mostly because people just don't think they don't do, and they do they just they just turn up and drop a dog off then walk yeah, away they literally do that and sometimes they even pretend it's not their dog Oh, I, did that, I just found this wandering around, would you like it, kind exactly, of thing. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, the it, poor dog looks, you know, that's my owner kind of thing, but no. Yes, well, Elvira, thank you very much uh, indeed. That's uh, Elvira Mucci-Lyons, who's the head of campaigns at the Dogs Trust. It does astound me how anybody can do that. And do, Well, listen, if you get a big dog, they are well expensive, aren't they? Have you seen how much food they eat? Benjamin Bunny is eating me out of house and home at the moment. But I, how, how can you do that? My cat, and even Benjamin Bunny, who's a nuisance, they're parts of my family. I couldn't just get rid of them now. Couldn't get rid of them. I was a bit concerned because my cat didn't turn up for breakfast this morning. I'm a little bit worried about her. 
But why do people do that? 08459 555 555 uh, is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can also, by the way, uh, if you want to take part in, uh, in the show or you've got a story that you think we should be doing on the show, big or small, you can send me an email directly to me. And I'll forward it on to my team to check it. No, I won't. I'll read it. Uh, Ian.Lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. I reply to your emails, don't I, Kelly? Sometimes, yeah. Thank you very much indeed. That wasn't... All, all the time, yeah? Um, most of the time, yeah. There we go. So all the time I reply yeah, to Kelly Betts' email. So if you want to send me an email with uh, something you think we should be doing on the show, and it can be a huge thing that's, that's covering the whole country, or it can be a tiny thing that's d- just affecting you... Uh, then do send me an email, ian, I-A-I-N, dot L-double-E, at bbc.co.uk, and we'll have a little look at it, and we'll see if it's right for this show. Um, and uh, if it's not, we'll see if it's right for any of the other shows, and uh, we will forward it to the appropriate people. 7.29, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heavy traffic anti-clockwise on the M25, Waltham Abbey to Potters Bar going into the roadworks, but the bigger problems are further round anti-clockwise. An accident just after Junction 19 at Watford means that Lane 4 is still blocked just after the junction, and congestion is back to St Albans at Junction 22. So the congestion coming toward that accident nearly back into the roadworks, which of course start at Junction 23. It's taking at least 45 minutes to get through the traffic, possibly a little longer. Starting to get very slow on the M1 as well. Traffic from Luton Airport toward Redbourne, Junction 10 to 9 on the cameras, and as you continue down toward London, past Junction 7 at Hemel Hempstead toward the M25 at Junction 6. That, of course, is going to then get caught up in the congestion caused by the anti-clockwise accident. If you're using the A1 into London, that is slow southbound, usual spot with a queue from the Holiday Inn Junction in Boreham Wood down toward Mill Hill Circus. Trains and tubes, though, running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. It's 7.30. I'm, I'm intrigued by this hanging munchkin. I've seen it now. I can see it. But then they would have seen it as they would... Here it is, Zoom. You go listen to the news. I'll come back with evidence in a second. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 7.30 with the headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Senior police officers have backed the idea of locking up the drunken disorderly in privately run cells for which they'll incur a charge. Luton detectives are questioning two 18-year-olds arrested in connection with Friday's fatal stabbing in Hastings Street. And a report by MPs has recommended that the number of nurses on duty in every English hospital should be collected and published in a bid to avoid a repeat of the Stafford Hospital scandal. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United manager David Moyes says Wayne Rooney could become the club's all-time leading goal scorer. Rooney scored twice, including his 200th goal for United during their 4-2 victory over Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League last night. Manchester City also got their European campaign off to a successful start. They were 3-0 winners over the Czech side Victoria Pilsen. City's goals were scored by Eden Dzeko, Yaya Torre and Sergio Aguero. In the Championship last night, Lewis McGugan helped to secure a 2-1 win for Watford at home to Doncaster. Hornets boss Jan Franco Zola said he'd made some key changes. Yeah, no, it's important. Some of them were necessary because we had a few injuries around. So it's, uh, but it's important. I said it uh, first place that uh, the depth of the team this, this year is good, and uh, I can afford to make changes and uh, still get a good quality. 
Luton Town were 3-0 winners at home to Dartford in the conference with goals from Paul Benson, Luke Gottridge and Alex Lawless. Atta's boss John Still says his side looked good from the start. Our movement was so good, we moved the ball so quick and I thought it would be a matter of time before we scored and obviously Paul scored. Then we got the one from Luke, which was a deflection, but pleased with Jim Stevenson as well, come in and Parry, you know, I've been really pleased and I want to keep pushing these younger players that we've got. We will see one or two more introduced, I think, in the next few weeks as well. In the Skrill South, Boreham Wood lost 2-0 at Farnborough, while in the Southern Premier, Hemel Hempstead stayed top after thrashing Bashley, Ian Lee's favourite, 4-1. Bashley! And Chesham a second after beating Bedford 3-0. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Do you think anybody is old enough to get that reference, or should I just knock it on the head? <laughs> I think some people are. OK. He was very good, wasn't he? <laughs> he was good. You're not buying this uh, hanging munchkin in Wizard of Oz, are you? No, it's a bird or something, isn't it? Well, have you seen it? Well, I've seen what they say is it. I've seen something in the background, but... It does. It, listen, I... It's a bit I, of an oversight considering the amount of money and attention they spent on that film. And also, the, surely the the, um, the Tin Man... No, he was an idiot. Which one was an idiot? No, the lion was the, the idiot. The scarecrow was the idiot. The, the sca- lion was the coward. The coward and the Tin Man was just... Um, he wanted a heart. He was, was a romantic it. old Hector. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a terrible film, isn't it? I love it. Oh, goodness it's, gracious. It is a bit rubbish. Uh, um, but uh, why... Uh, anyway, well, let's not go down that uh, avenue of questioning. Uh, but, uh, but they would notice it, weren't they? they? They would notice that there is a hanging munchkin in front of them as they d- trip merrily down the yellow brick. Also, what was a munchkin doing on set? There were no munchkins involved in that scene. They'd have yeah. all been sitting in the back smoking fags and doing all sorts, according well, to Lu- Judy Garland. Doing, doing all sorts is correct. They were doing all sorts, weren't they? They were. <laughs> Not too devils. Little. So-and-sos. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're talking about films this morning, um, films you wish you'd seen at the cinema. We'll speak... Ah, Richard Fitzwilliams is coming on in a bit. Fantastic. He's my favourite film person. Always a pleasure. And also Scottish independence. Uh, It's a year to the day that that the Scotch get to vote on independence. I I think it's kind of important that we, we look at it, because it will be a significant thing. But, well, hang on. Will it be a significant thing for people in England and, and you in beds, hearts and bucks? Does it concern you at all? We were scratching our heads in the office yesterday about whether we should do this, how much we should do about it, and whether you would be interested or concerned about it. There's even a dance that goes with that. You concerned. Uh, so what do you think? I, I need your answers on this. 08459 455 555. Scottish independence. Are you bothered? Good enough question. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Five came out yesterday. It's a very violent game. It's an adult game. Steve's in Bedfordshire. Morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Steve. I'm looking forward to going home later on and having a, a, a little bit of Grand Theft Auto this evening when the kids are safely in bed. Yeah, I think you've got it completely wrong about these uh, video games. I watch video games and they completely take over my life. When I play a video game, I want to put on my green shorts, jump on a horse and go out and try to find Robin Williams' daughter. Hang on, I'm trying to remember. No, think, think, think about I'm it. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Robin Williams' daughter. Oh, uh, um, you're, you're talking about uh, Zelda, of course. Yeah. Yes, there we go. You see, his Robin Williams' daughter so, is called Zelda after the yeah. video game Zelda. It took a while. <laughs> yeah. I got it's there. A load of rubbish. 
the thing is that, that there are always going to be nut jobs, okay? And there are always going to be nut jobs that get hold of games, uh, that, sorry, that get hold of guns or get hold of knives or go and kill people. Uh, and to, to, to say that it's video games that's causing it, I think is, is disingenuous. Anything could cause it. Mark Chapman read Catcher in the Rye and that prompted him to shoot John Lennon. No one called for the banning of books, did they? No, I mean, they, get, they had all this while ago about Tom and Jerry, about the violence in Tom and Jerry, trying to ban that. They always pick on something. It's just a load of rubbish, really. They should have banned Tom and Jerry when those, that, that cat and that mouse started talking. That's when it took a, well, yeah, a, a turn yeah. for the worse, uh, I think. Terrible. Steve, thank you very much indeed. Uh, listen, if you are, I'm not suggesting that violent games don't have an impact on your emotions and the way you feel and perhaps some of your thoughts, but to, to blame them for gun crimes... I think is a little bit unfair. I think you have to blame mental illness, lack of social care, lack of uh, responsible people dealing with that mental illness. Or am I being naive? I'm not, but I'm going to give you that gateway to, to calling up. 08459 555555. Now, what film do you wish you'd seen at the cinema? A survey out today names these movies at the top three. Psycho, The Wizard of Oz, which I now, after today's debate about the hanging munchkin, wish I'd seen, and Gone with the Wind. Well, Justin Dealey spoke to cinema goers about the films they wished they'd seen on the big screen. The uh, Wizard of Oz, uh, Gone with the Wind. Why The Wizard of Oz? Because it goes into colour, from went from the black and white to the the magical of the colour. I would love to have seen that. Love to have seen it in the original in the day when it came out. And gone with the wind, though. Mind you, after three hours, you get a sore backside, wouldn't you? At least if you watch it at home, you can go make yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, something like that. No, no, I think seeing something in the cinema is just it's absolutely brilliant. You can't beat it. Italian job. Michael Caine. Minis. <laughs> Uh, the Lord of the Rings films I never really got a chance to see them at the cinema I only saw them uh, when they came out on DVD so I wish I saw those at the cinema Amy you're the second person tonight to mention Gone with the Wind what would have been so special about watching that film at the cinema just seeing it on the big screen something about the whole love affair and the big story it would have been great to have seen it on the big screen definitely uh, probably E.T. Um, I just saw a, a very uh, sort of scratchy video of it many years ago. And you hear with your partner tonight. Would you go along with that then, E.T.? Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I saw it recently on television and I, I cried my eyes out. Yeah. Yeah, it was just such an emotional film. And it's such a... Well, it's, you know, it appeals to adults and children, so it's a good real film, family film. Brilliant. What are you off to see tonight, by the way? Um, we're off to see Rush. Is it 1976 it's set oh, yeah. in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's the year we got married. <laughs> oh, right. And I was a big James Hunt fan. And Nicky Lauer. I was, I was a big, yeah. uh, I was a big uh, Grand Prix fan, so right. I, was, I actually saw them racing quite regularly in those days. Wow. So uh, brings back a lot of memories. Come on, then, Nick. Give me your film titles. Uh, I'm going to say 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Uh, Exorcist as well. Old school horror, revolutionary. You look a bit creepy with them eyes when you're telling me about these films as well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's not a compliment. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually know somebody who saw The Exorcist. The first night it came out, it was in Leicester Square, and they came out and they said that everyone was being sick outside. Now, based on what you just heard there, would you still have wanted to see that at the cinema? Yeah, I think so. It's just like with nowadays horror, like the censorship has sort of died. People are more used to this sort of stuff, so I think going back with now sort of ideals of horror, I think be all right with that sort of stuff. You've got a girlfriend. No. no, I didn't think so. Thank you. No worries. Well, I'm joined now by my favourite film critic and social commentator, Richard Fitzwilliams. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. I've been absolutely fascinated, I must tell you, because this is a subject that I've long debated over. The way a film should be seen, 
we're obviously you're looking to see it in the cinema. And the way we live now, it so often doesn't permit time, the cost, and all the problems involved in making it to the cinema well, for a lot of people. Part of the problem, I think, Richard, is cinema is so expensive. Especially if you're looking at certain very popular films in 3D, which makes it even more expensive. But yes, no, you're absolutely right. But on the other hand, there are certain films that demand seeing on the larger screen. Give me some examples. Well, Lawrence of Arabia. If you think of all those epics in the 1960s, from Ben-Hur to Waterloo, that takes you over about a dozen years. They were all made for the large screen. Just as uh, westerns, whether it was Cheyenne Autumn or whether it was the Unforgiven, whether it's My Fair Lady and West Side Story Chicago, all these the experience is there, the sound, and of course they experimented with Cinerama and various other large screens, but the idea then of course was to draw people away from the small television set. On the other hand, I have to concede the way we live now is different. Film critics sometimes get links where they can't actually make it to a screening. They can watch it on the small mm. screen. You've got the video, the DVD, you've got the television. Well, we've got, the thing is, we've got huge televisions now. Some people have TVs, mine's 42 inches, some people have 50, 60 inch televisions with with fantastic sound systems. Well, if you've got that, that's absolutely fine. I suspect as a percentage not that number have it, but a lot of people do, and, you know, good luck to them, because you want the largest screen possible. I mean, another, uh, this is in fact an idea that's really taking off, and that's showing live opera and live theatre. I was at Turandot, the Royal Opera House, uh, production uh, this was on a, a being shown on a screen in uh, in london last night and there you must have the experience to have the large screen but if you can't get that this is the point should you download it if not why not one of the saddest things i always hear is when people say, oh, but I've seen such and such a film, but it was on a flight. And that is the very last way you should see. Well, you say, is that the last way? Because you can get it. People watch films on their telephones now. Would you ever sit down and watch Casablanca on your phone, Richard? Uh, Well, I would feel deeply ashamed even to entertain the thought. But I wouldn't deny if some people get pleasure from doing that. For example, I've seen it many times. If you want to see certain specific scenes, you look on YouTube, you see certain clips from films. Mm. If you want to do that, anything to make the cinematic experience in the age of social media more pleasurable, I mean certain technological advances if you look at the alternative to the epics I mentioned today, you look at the um, Batman movies the Superman movies, you've got um, a whole variety of these science fiction type films from Mm. Elysium to Pacific Rim, some great fun, some pretty dire. They do demand that large screen experience, but there's no doubt people download them and see them in all sorts of ways. And that's the way we literally are having to cope with the changing situation. I mean, most recently, a film, and I would not recommend it, set in the Civil War, but a hallucinatory experience, a field in England, opened the same day on the cinema. DVDs were available. It was shown on television. Mm. This is... It seems where we're moving to, I am in favor of more people seeing as many films as possible, but it's well worth remembering that 
the numbers of people going to the cinema is still on the up, and for that relief, a lot of thanks. Don't forget, after all, if it's a bad film and you don't like it and you're not in the cinema, you can always uh, switch it off. Uh, Sam Goldwyn once memorably said, a wide screen just makes a bad film twice as bad. <laughs> we're, we're demanding more, aren't we? Do you remember, there are people listening who will never have seen this, and well done them. Uh, in the 80s, they would show films like Lawrence of Arabia on TV with the hideous pan and scan, where you didn't see all of the picture. It would kind of move to whoever was talking. Oh, this idea that you take uh, even certain um, cuts from those films, it, it, it was horrible. I mean, that is a dreadful, dreadful thing to do to a film. That was a crime. Making a black and white film colour. Oh, I hate it when they do that. It's dreadful. Laurel and Hardy are meant to be in black and white. Of course they are, and this is an absolutely scandalous thing, but I do accept different films are being seen in different ways, and whereas, I mean, Before Midnight, Francis Ha, um, What Maisie Knew, I mean, just to mention three currently showing in London... Low budget, very, very sensitive films, relying on a good script, good cast. I mean, in this particular circumstance, it doesn't really desperately matter if you see them on DVD or you see them in the cinema. Mm. Of course, the latter experience is preferable. But the moment you get the wide screen, the moment you've got this use of the spectacle, the crowd sequences, I mean, that is part of the experience. It's the experience, isn't it? the cinema draws you to. Richard, we're, we're running out of time. Very quickly, just to go off on a slight tangent. Are you aware of the hanging munchkin in The Wizard of Oz? I am not. Tell me more. Well, I've been told by Kelly Betts, who works on this show, I use that term very loosely, that there is a scene uh, where the, uh, the, the characters are skipping down that yellow brick road and in the background you can see a munchkin who hanged himself. And I've seen it, and it does look like there's something there. I think this is rather uh, under these... Slightly apocryphal stories about the person with wearing the watch in Ben Hur or something like that, which I must say I've never seen. Mm. Something obviously looks like that, but I can't imagine that this was some form of sadistic invention <laughs> that someone was having an in joke. Uh, the Wizard of Oz is one of those experiences. It shows, of course, as, as some of those um, clips earlier were mentioning that you had certain tremendous advantages of seeing the film in the cinema, the colour, and you know, the fact that you're wrapped up in the experience, and also that you can't be interrupted. Mm. Unless someone, of course, chooses to eat popcorn, that's always been a danger. <laughs> Richard, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Richard Fitzwilliams, uh, film critic, social commentator, and uh, a phrase I never use, but friend of the show. Thank you, Richard. It's 7.46, let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had a call about the A5 northbound at Mark Yates. We're hearing it might be partly blocked by a two-car accident around Hicks Road, affecting traffic heading on toward Dunstable. Certainly looking a little bit slow round there. M1 southbound busy Luton to Redbourne, junction 10 to 9, then Hemel Hempstead to the M25, junction 7 to 6A. The Aylesbury Road in Wing, the A418 looking very busy between Church Street in Wing and the Wingrave Crossroads. It's because of roadworks, there are water main works around there causing some delays. A1M southbound slowing up from Stevenage, junction 8 to 7. The A1 into London still busy from the Holiday Inn junction to Mill Hill Circus. If you're going into London on the A40, eastbound there's a queue that starts 
starts at the end of the M40 from the Swakeley's roundabout in Uxbridge pretty much all the way down to Gypsy Corner in Acton. The M25 anti-clockwise slow from back at the M11 through to Potters Bar in the works. Then we've still got one lane closed just after Watford Junction 19 following an accident. Congestion back to St Albans at Junction 22 and it is taking about an hour if not more to get through the traffic. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.47, it's Wednesday the 18th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Senior police officers have backed the idea of locking up the drunken disorderly in private-run cells for which they'll incur a charge. Luton detectives are questioning two 18-year-olds arrested in connection with Friday's fatal stabbing in Hastings Street. In sport, the chairman of World Snooker, Barry Hearn, has told world champion Ronnie O'Sullivan to prove his ha- allegations of match-fixing or apologise. Coming up, we'll have more on Scotland being an independent uh, country. Are you bothered? 08459 555. Before that, let's get the latest weather. Is Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, there's a bit of cloud around this morning, but it is gradually going to break up and give us some lovely sunny spells. It's an improvement on yesterday. The wind is lighter, we'll see more sunshine, and the temperature is going to be a little bit warmer as well. 16 Celsius, 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, there may be one or two isolated showers as we head through the middle part of the day, but to be honest, it's fairly unlikely. Uh, Too many people will catch one of those. Now, over night it's going to get dry and clear quite quickly so the temperature is going to drop down quite quickly six celsius the predicted minimum 43 degrees in fahrenheit and then through the early hours of tomorrow morning the cloud increases from the west and that's the arrival of our next weather system starting off cloudy for thursday and the rain some of that quite heavy as well and when it goes through it's going to become quite windy as well that's going to continue through much of the day until tomorrow evening and it's just going to feel a little more miserable than it does today maximum temperature just 16 celsius Yes, that's 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. And that's your forecast. Thank you very much. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. And your journey nearly came to a juddering halt where you had all, in effect, a breakdown triggered by a car crash with your then-partner, Jill. But there is a way you can hear it all again. I was drunk, I ran into some roadworks and... She had a very bad head injury and nearly died. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. You know, you were nearly responsible for killing somebody. It's a really, really traumatic experience, I must say. bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Video games are so dangerous. They encourage our children to be violent and indulge in selfish, uh, awful, scummy behaviour, don't they? Wrong. I've just been sent a link. Grand Th- uh, kids buy Grand Theft Auto 5. Help save man from burning house. Hello? Two brothers, aged 17 and 16, were out late last night in Toronto picking up Grand Theft Auto 5. That should have been the most exciting thing of the night, but no. They had to go and help save an old man's life on the way home. Returning from the store with their game, the pair came across a house on fire with a 70-year-old man trapped inside. They called 911, then bust down his front door to try and save the occupant. There you go, you see? There you go. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a look at the front pages, shall we? The Times: uh, Alarm over shortage of nurses on NHS wards. 
Hospitals urged to publish staffing levels. Oh, dear. Patients are being put at risk. How many times in the last year have we used that sentence? Patients are being put at risk. Patients are being put at risk because hundreds of hospital wards do not have enough nurses to look after them properly. Analysis for The Times reveals that 43% of wards have a staffing level lower than one nurse per eight patients, a red zone flagged by a recent government report. Oh, dear. And then there's a picture of, um, well, Nick Clegg is, uh, is uh, batting out of his league slightly. Here's his, her, his wife visiting a primary school in Glasgow yesterday as the Lib Dem conference trundles on. It's a five-day conference. It's only the Lib Dems. Five days? What on earth are they getting up to up there? Well, so far, what have we got from the Lib Dem conference? Carrier bags will be five pence. School uniform be a bit cheaper. Free school meals. Ladies and gentlemen, five days. The Guardian is in a, a fantastic picture of the uh, Costa Concordia. That their boat, what done, sunk. Every infant to receive free school meals, Clegg pledges. Um, and there's something over there. I don't know what that is. Uh, there. The Daily Telegraph. There's um, the, uh, Miriam Gonzalez Durantes, Nick Clegg's wife. Again, sober up in drunk tank and pay £400 to leave. Drunks causing a nuisance in towns and cities will be held overnight in privately run, privately run drunk tanks and charged up to £400 under police leaders' proposals. Drinkers who get so intoxicated they cannot look after themselves will be cared for in holding cells until they sober up and charged for the pleasure. Well, we're hoping to uh, to speak to David Lloyd, the PCC for Hertfordshire, a little bit later on in the show. Who um, do you remember? He came in <clears throat> a few months ago and talked about charging prisoners for staying in prison cells. We laughed, we scoffed. I told him he was a silly sausage. Well, I bet he's excited about this. I bet he's over the moon about this. We'll try and get him on if we can. I know he's a busy man, but we'll see. The suggestion has won the backing of some police and crime commissioners. I bet it has. Who are keen to tackle alcohol-related problems and keep. Um, uh, costs, policing costs down. Let's do the Independent, then we'll uh, we'll speak to Ray in a second. <clears throat> the Independent. Killing that sparked the London riots, uh, the Mark Duggan inquest, uh, and Coalition's Family Day, free school meals and marriage tax breaks. We'll have a look at the rest in a bit. I want to speak to Ray first. Morning, Ray. Morning, mate. How was St Albans today? Um, all right, wet, damp, horrible. Oh, no, 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 no. Wet, damp and wonderful. Is it? All right, then. Is this Reg or Ray? Reg. Reg, I I called you Ray, and you answered to the name of Ray. I know, it's like you you must be getting old, mate. Well, listen, tell me about it. I'm getting very old. I'm at that age, Reg, where I walk into a room, and I can't remember what I walked into the room for. Oh, you need incontinence pants, then. That may be what I walked in there for. Yes, now I remember. (laughs) Too late. Uh, Reg, films you wish you'd you'd seen at the cinema? Ah, well, it's got to be the Kingdom of Heaven, but the director's cut. What's the Kingdom of Heaven? Um, is that film what they panned with Orlando Bloom uh, when he was doing, like, in the nights and that? I've not heard of that one. Yeah, fantastic film. Big bloodthirsty, but good. Very, mm. very good. And, and did you see it on video? Yeah, I've seen it on video. And that is, um, I say, we'll get the director's cut one because it's, it's, um, it's a lot better. Right, OK. Uh, there's, there's something about... There's something about watching films in the cinema. There's, there's the experience of it, isn't it? Of, of, of indulging in a, a, an experience with other people. Yeah, I think so, yeah. There's a lot of people don't get it now, do they? You know, go to the pictures 
and that. Um, I think the best film I ever saw at the pictures would be The Battle of Britain. Oh, there you go, you see. God, you are old, aren't you, Reg? Yeah, getting prehistoric, mate. Exactly. Reg, thank you very much indeed. The best film I saw at the cinema wasn't necessarily the best film. Actually, two... Okay, two films I saw at the cinema that were enhanced by being there with other people. One was a Jackie Chan film. I know, Rumble in the Bronx, the second time I've mentioned Jackie Chan. But I always watch... I, I do like karate films and kung fu films, and I watch them at home on my own or with a few mates. But watching it in a cinema in North London... And hearing people cheering every time Jackie Chan kicked somebody's backside, oh, it was wonderful. It was like we were at a party. People cheering him on. Yes, get in there, Jackie. All of that going on. It was fantastic. The other film I saw at a cinema, it was the... What was it called? United 93? The film about... um, uh, the, the September the 11th attacks, and it was specifically about the aeroplane that, that the passengers brought down in a field. I saw that uh, the week it was released in New York at a midnight showing. Wow. If you want to see, uh, uh, want to be involved in an emotional experience yet feel slightly detached from it, go and see a film about September 11th in New York at a midnight showing. It was incredible. At the end, I, I, I went with my, my brother-in-law, and at the end, uh, I think it, just, it fades to black, and it, it just, when they bring the aeroplane down, I seem to remember it fades to black. Sil- I'm getting shivers thinking about it. Silence in the cinema, and then just people spontaneously sobbing. Oh, my goodness. What a powerful experience. And obviously, you know, it was, it's a shocking film to watch. But to watch it in New York, not three miles from where the, the towers came down... And to be sat in a dark room full of people who were probably there, who quite possibly lost people in that attack. Wow. That's when cinema's at its most powerful. I also enjoyed um, watching the Die Hard, latest Die Hard movie at the cinema. There is something about it. It's just so expensive. Why you charge so much? You can see why people are turning to, to video piracy, can't you? Turning to it. I watched uh, E.T. in, what year was that, 1983, on a really bad Betamax copy with some scenes cut out of it. We couldn't really make out what was going on. I still sobbed like a baby. I still sobbed like a baby. I've not watched it since. They redid E.T., didn't they? This is what they do in Hollywood. They redid E.T. to make E.T. They, they, did it, uh, they made E.T. look more realistic and they cut the guns out. I know, that seems odd. So E.T. suddenly's got more realistic facial expressions, and the FBI, when they're running around with guns at the end... No, they're not running around with guns. They're running around with torches. Why would you do that, Spielberg? There are some copies... I hate this, this uh, rewriting history. There are some copies of... Uh, I think it's Abbey Road, the cover of Abbey Road, where Paul McCartney's cigarette has been uh, airbrushed out. Oh, no. Don't do that, for goodness sakes. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. On the subject of films that you wish you'd seen in the cinema, as opposed to ones you'd watched on television, I don't think this gentleman's taking the, uh, the argument seriously enough at all. James Sharp, uh, no, not James Sharp, sorry. Uh, who is it? It's, uh, it's Nick Church says, I, I wish I'd seen Rocky Four. Now, come on. Please. 08459 555 555. 7.58, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Anti-clockwise M25 is queuing from the M11 to Potter's Bar. That's going into the roadworks, but of course we've got problems further round this morning. There's been an accident just after Watford at Junction 19. It's still blocking Lane 4 just after the junction, and congestion is back to St Albans Junction 22. It's taking over an hour to get through the traffic there. Queues are still building. The M1 southbound slow from Flittick to Redbourne, Junction 12 to 9, then slow again from Hemel Hempstead to the M25, Junction 7 to 6A. A1 M southbound is slow past Stevenage at Junction 8 and 7. The A1 into London is busy from the Holiday Inn Junction in Borehamwood to Mill Hill Circus. And we're still hearing these reports of problems in Markgate. The A5 partly blocked both ways by a two-car accident around Hicks Road. We've had a second call come in on that. Thank you to Mr Oakes, who called us with information. Looking at the trains and tubes, no problems reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. £400 to stay in a drunk tank overnight? Well, it would ease pressure on the police. Good idea? Or do you think it's outrageous? We'll speak to you after the news with Catherine Boyle. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. The headlines. Drunk tank plans criticised as teenagers arrested over Luton stabbing and Hertfordshire headmaster claims boarding schools could be the cheaper option. BBC Three Counties Radio. Alcohol awareness charities are criticising senior police officers' calls for the introduction of so-called drunk tanks. People found to be drunk and disorderly would be held in cells run by private companies for which they'd pay a charge upon release. Gary Topley runs a project for alcoholics in treatment and fears the scheme could become a money-making exercise. Does it then stretch to people going out on Christmas parties um, if people are over the influence um, and acting a bit rowdy do they arrest a crowd of 10 15 people for drunk and disorderly and then charge all them as well I think that's got to be you know a lot more clearer a lot more gray areas have got to be put right Two 18-year-old men have been arrested by police investigating last Friday's fatal stabbing in Luton. 19-year-old Micah Urquhart was found seriously injured a short distance from his home in Hastings Street. He died at the scene. Bedfordshire police are continuing to appeal for witnesses. The NHS is being urged to be much, much more open about staffing levels in a bid to avoid a repeat of the Stafford Hospital scandal. MPs on the Health Select Committee are suggesting a notice is put up in every hospital ward saying how many nurses are on duty every day. This committee's chairman is... Stephen Dorrell. Openness should be the routine culture of the health service. That's what we say. We're in favour of openness, but not just when things go wrong. Openness at all times. That provides, apart from anything else, that then provides a context so people can see what's going on in a ward, in a care home, in a doctor's surgery. It's the, it's the culture of secrecy and defensiveness that, is, that underlies many of the problems the health service has had over the years. There's concern this morning that the number of abandoned dogs may be on the rise in Bedfordshire. The Dogs Trust is reporting a marginal decrease nationally, but according to the owner of Eaton Bray's Appledown Kennel, there's been a marked increase in the number of strays they've taken in this summer. And Julie Shelton dismisses the idea that the current economic climate is a factor. No, that's a complete excuse. It's the fact that people get dogs without giving it any thought. They don't research the breed of dog they get. They treat them as a disposable item and get rid of them. We had one thrown into our car park yesterday. It's people's attitude, I'm afraid. It's nothing to do with anything else. It is entirely down to the type of people that get dogs. 
Sending a child to boarding school could be more cost-effective than shuttling children to many different sports and activities, according to a leading headmaster from Hertfordshire. Ray McGovern from St George's School in Harpenden says that boarding schools are not elitist and insists they can be a good option for working parents, single-parent families and people living in rural areas. Sport now and in the Championship last night, a late penalty gave Watford a 2-1 win over Doncaster at Vicarage Road. Meanwhile, Luton Town were 3-0 winners at home to Dartford in the conference. The weather today, sunshine with a chance of of isolated showers and a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Boarding schools are a terrible idea for parents who love their children. Oh. Do you not think, why, why have kids and then not see them for three months at a time? It wouldn't be right for me. <laughs> oh, look at you. Well, well, well sat. No, but I think that it's different culture, isn't it? I had friends that went to boarding school and it was just what was done. And they were really, their family almost became the people they went to school with. It's not for me, but for some people, it's just the way it is. Wise words from Catherine Boyle. Board, boarding school is not for people who love their children. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up. Police chiefs are calling for privately run drunk tanks to be considered to help tackle alcohol fueled disorder. Well, we'll be speaking to David Lloyd, the Police and Crime Commissioner of Hertfordshire, who's uh, uh, missed a train to speak to us this morning, so we'll get to him shortly. Kennels in beds, hearts and bucks are full of strays. Why do people abandon their dogs? And what films did you not see at the cinema that you think, oh, that would have been good on the big screen? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Drunk tanks. What do you think? Good idea? There is a suggestion from the Association of Chief Police Officers. It says more needs to be done to tackle a culture of drinking to excess and alcohol-related crime. ACPO says 50% of all violent crime involves alcohol and dealing with it costs the police £11 billion a year. Chief Constable Adrian Lee is the national policing lead on alcohol harm. He's backing the introduction of these so-called drunk tanks. Troublemakers who are drunk and disorderly will be locked up in cells run by private firms, who then recoup the cost by charging them in the morning. According to the Daily Telegraph, people would be charged up to £400 a night and they'd also face a fine. Not everyone thinks the plan would work. Gary Topley used to drink heavily and is an alcohol awareness specialist. He told me earlier on he thinks this is a money-making exercise and simply won't work. Personally, there is a one-size-fits-all approach and people have to be dealt with individually. Then you've got to look at how it's going to be implemented. You know, if, if um, for example, you said £400, how is that going to be implemented? What if these people are on benefits? Are they going to pay back like a pound a week back? Obviously, then they're going to lose money because not everyone's going, going to pay it. So it's reinforcing that as, that as well to try and, you know, get the money back. Oh, joined now by the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, David Lloyd. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ian. Nice thank, to speak to you. Thank you for missing a train for us. It's very much appreciated. Always willing to do so for you. Uh, what do you think about this? A good idea? I think it's a good idea. It works exactly along the same lines as what I've been talking about in my plan, um, Everybody's Business, and that's really about uh, putting responsibility back into people's hands. Um, if you want to go out and get drunk at night, fine, but if you want to go out and get drunk at night, you are going to cause problems to other people quite often, and if you do, let's find a way of uh, clearing this up. I think this is a great idea because what it does is it uh, gives proportionate justice very swiftly. You stay overnight in what you like, if, if you like, a, a portable 
locally sell, um, you pay for it in the morning, uh, job done. Now, you say affordable. Uh, according to uh, one of the papers, I'm just trying to face the Telegraph, it could be £400 a night. That's the price, as I'm sure you're aware, of a very fancy hotel with breakfast thrown in. That's not going to be affordable to a lot of people, is it? Well, I, I didn't say affordable, I said proportionate, but we're down I do apologise, so, sorry, uh, I misheard you. However, however, um, I think that if it makes people change what they're doing and the way they're doing it, that is well and good. Because actually, you know, at the end of the day, these people cost society money. That's what it costs to stay overnight. That's what you pay. Now, I don't know the exact figures we're going to co- that they're going to come out with. It's just an idea, but it does seem like a good idea to me. And people who um, don't like these, the, these ideas always try and sort of work out, well, is it going to be a pound a week or whatever? Let's get the idea in place first. Let's, uh, let's just establish that this makes good sense. And once we've established that it makes good sense, then let's work out the details. It's not going to help people who have serious alcohol addiction problems, is it? And, and they're going to be punished even even more. Well, um, I think uh, the, the people with serious alcohol addiction problems probably aren't the people out on the streets getting very, very drunk every night. Um, but if they are, there are various different strands. I think this can help. It's one of many ways of helping, because if you know that this is going to cost you £400 every night, you get put away. Um, if that is the figure, um, you know, that, that should be a deterrent in itself. But of course, what I'm about is trying to bring all partners together so that we actually stop crime before it happens. I don't want to stop people having a good time. I enjoy drinking a pint of beer myself. But what I'm saying is uh, we need to make sure that everything's proportionate and that people don't commit crime. Don't we need to start earlier, David, and, ch- and change the culture? I mean, I, listen, one of the worst things I hate is, is, is going out on a Friday night and you see a load of drunk idiots running around and shouting and showing their bums and stuff like that. I don't want to see that. But don't we need to start younger and earlier and change the culture a bit? Definitely we need to change the culture and we need to work alongside health colleagues so that they uh, are, and, and education colleagues so that we all, um, and, and, and parents come to that, so that we are giving the right uh, signals to, to children early on about what is and what is not acceptable. Um, and uh, we do have a binge drinking uh, culture in this country. Um, it's one that we've got to try to change. This might be one good way of helping to change it. David, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you going that extra mile for us and uh, missing a train. It's, uh, it's very kind of you. It's David Lloyd. He's the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire. He, um, well, he thinks it's a good idea. I suspected he would. I suspected he would. I have a couple of concerns. The concern is the cost, three to four hundred pounds a night. That's more than a night at the Ritz. Uh, and the fact it's being run by private firms. With, with the police, they know what they can and they can't do. Yes, sometimes they bend those rules. But they know what they can and they can't do. Private firm, you put some ordinary blokes in a uniform and give them the keys to a cell. That concerns me slightly. But then again, I don't go out in towns on a Friday or Saturday night because I feel intimidated by a load of, as I say, drunk blokes. It's not just drunk blokes running around, flashing their backsides and, hey, all that bloke with the telly! Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do you think? Well, I'm joined now by uh, Adam May, who is the former director of development for Street Angels. Morning, Adam. Just briefly describe to the to the listener what Street Angels is. 
Yes, good morning, Ian. It's good to be with you. Uh, Street Angels is a national initiative that's run by churches encouraging volunteer street patrols. So going out onto the towns and cities of this country on a Friday and Saturday evening simply to be a non-judgmental uh, listening presence. Uh, and as I said, there's quite a few of them operating in beds, hearts and bucks. What do you think about this idea of drunk tanks? Do you, do you think it, it's, a, it's a good one? Will it have any impact? Um, as the kind of former director of development for, for Street Angels, I worked very, very closely with, with the Association of Chief Police Officers in a piece of work they did looking at volunteer street patrols. So the kind of a call that's come out today doesn't surprise me, to be honest, Ian. Um, but I, whether it will work or not, I, I'm very sceptical about the idea. And, and, and can I tell you why? Yeah, please do. Uh, when I was uh, in Bedford, I led the, the Bedford Street Angels project. And in Bedford, one of the things that was being looked at is how do we uh, move from a culture of from binge to better was the kind of tagline. And so looking at other examples across the country, which was something that ACPO were doing at that time, was to create safer spaces, not drunk tanks or drink tanks, but safer spaces. So places where people could go. Uh, and I saw with, with, with ACPO um, different places, but they were put back in the hands of the community and, and in some places back in the hands of the, the church. And so, you know, the best example that I saw was in Brighton, where they basically open up their safe, open up their safe place between 10 and 4 or even 6. Um, and basically people just go in there and sit and sober up. So there's games, games consoles and that kind of thing. And, and actually, you know, the sense that it was put back in the hands of community. Hang on, Adam, were you saying that the, 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 the churches in Brighton were inviting drunk people into play, PlayStation? Yeah, they were. But, but, but and did that did that did that work or, or, or did that work or did 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 the people that were going there look at it as kind of an after hours club? Um, no, it really worked actually. From uh, I only went to, to Brighton a couple of times to, to see what they were up to, but in the times that I went, it seemed to be very well received. And, and the question was, how, how could we bring that back to Bedford? And because the idea for, for Bedford was, was was there, they wanted to create a safe space, um, and so they, we, we mm. looked at a venue at the top of the heart, you know, on the high street in Bedford, uh, very central. So it wasn't kind of one of these things that was was hidden away. It was it would have been put on the high street. The, the police were very happy to put uh, money in to make it happen and so were the other partners um, but sadly as things stand it hasn't happened and, that, and, and that's a shame because actually somewhere like Bedford and, uh, and other places across the county would benefit from a safer space you know the bit you know I was reading with the, the report this morning in, in the Guardian on this that uh, you know setting up mobile police unit and, and triages that's fairly common I mean it happens in Bedford every Christmas um, but we need to do something as I say to tackle the kind of the sobering up period. Well, well, I, 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 I like you have reservations over over these uh, drink cards. Mm, is it, uh, did, could this be, just be a way of generating cash? I mean, with, with, with bits of the NHS kind of in inverted commas being privatised and Royal Mail being privatised, is this just another way to make a few quid? Do you think? I think it probably is, and I suspect that nobody would ever say that. Um, you know, and, 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 and police and crime commissioners wouldn't say that, but actually, it, prob- as it probably is. They, the question is, it's about, you know, I, I shared what you were saying just before you introduced me, Ian, about the fact that it's been run by private companies. Mm. I think the community have a response, and we need to take a partnership response. In Bedford, the, the Nighttime Economy Safeguarding Partnership that works with the police, the council, uh, you know, A&E, a- a- and all the usual suspects, really works in Bedford, but 
that's and, and now there was a reticence when the church came and said we want to be part of that safeguarding partnership believe you me and i got many frost, many a frosty reception to start with but when it really was the community working with the community it was it was well received Adam, thanks very much. Nice to talk to you, Adam May, who's the former Director of Development for Street Angels. What do you think? Load of drunks, kicking off in the street, bag them in a drunk tank. They wake up in the morning, got a pounding headache. Can we go now? Yeah, of course you can. Just one thing, here's your bill. £400? Yep, that's right. 08459 455 555. What do you think? Is it a good idea? Are you intimidated? Too intimidated to go out in your local town on a Friday or Saturday night because you're a little bit concerned about what you might come across. I don't like it. I, I hate... I, was in, I went out to, to see a band in London a few weeks ago with my sister on a Friday night. Oh, it was awful. It was horrible. There's all these drunk idiots in the... Oh, it was disgusting. But is that just because I'm an old man? I used to get, you know, drunk in the street. I, I don't know. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's 8.15 or thereabouts. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hughes on the M25 anti-clockwise from the M11 through to Potter's Bar, junction 27 to 24. Once you get beyond there through the roadworks, you're then going to encounter severe delays. There was an accident a bit earlier this morning just after Watford at junction 19. Now, small mercy, all lanes have at least reopened. Lane 4 was blocked for quite a while this morning. It has now been cleared, but the congestion still very much present back as far as St Albans at junction 22. And on average, it's taking just over an hour to get from St Albans past Watford. The A1M southbound looking slow round Stevenage junctions 8 and 7 into London delays from the Holiday Inn junction Borehamwood down to Mill Hill Circus M1 southbound slow flittick to Redbourne on the cameras also slow Emil Hempstead to the M25 the A40 into London is really busy this morning with queues from the Swakeley's roundabout in Uxbridge to Gypsy Corner in Acton and in Mark Yate the A5 has been partly blocked both ways an accident with two cars involved near Hicks Road affecting traffic heading toward Dunstable also affecting that southbound traffic Adam Glynn B BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 8.16, it's Wednesday the 18th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Alcohol charities are criticising senior police officers' calls for the introduction of so-called drunk tanks, suggesting the scheme could become little more than a cash cow. Luton Police are questioning two 18-year-old men arrested in connection with last Friday's fatal stabbing in Hastings Street. Watford beat Doncaster 2-1 in the Championship last night, while Luton Town were 3-0 winners at home to Dartford in the conference. Coming up, Scotland. Should it be an independent country? And a side question to that, do you care, Beds, Hearts and Bucks? 08 459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Some people say that we get a bit too excited about our trails. So we're going to do this one a bit different. A bit different. On Saturday, we've got four more live commentaries for you to choose from. Barnsley versus Watford. MK Don's away to Peterborough. Stevenage against Carlisle. And Luton host Lincoln. Plus reports on Wickham against York. All our local teams, live in Three Counties Sport, Saturday from 2 here on BBC Three Counties Radio. They listened. Relaxing sport. Relaxing sport with uh, music from an adult movie. With Jeff and Luke. 
they have listened to my um, criticism is a strong word it's very strong and, and appropriate yes <laughs> they have listened to my my comments yeah about the they have listened you don't like sport, do you? And responded. I like no, it's not sports coverage. I'm not saying you don't like sports. I coverage. like them. You don't like the concept of sporting endeavour. Not particularly. I like I, I like those two gentlemen. I, they, 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 bring nice a, chaps. they bring a real buzz to the office that is otherwise <coughs> lacking. I mean, it's, it's dull as ditch water up there. Isn't well, it? no, not when we're there. But you missed all that because you just, what do you finish and then you're out the door? I go straight in bed by five past nine. That's, something like that's that. the fella sleeping in your car again. I, oh, I do like a good dose in my car. Yeah. I'm, I will be sleeping in my car later on today. Actually, oh really? Yes. Why is that? Um, I've uh, lost my house in a gambling <laughs> <laughs> fiasco. Oh, well. no, Tim, we've, we've all been what there. What are you doing yes. here? Uh, standing in for Jonathan for one day only, okay. a one day appearance. Okay. Jonathan back tomorrow and Friday. What have you got on the show today? Well, interested in what you've been discussing this morning about this uh, drunk tank idea. Uh, the, the idea from police chiefs for an introduction of drunk tanks to tackle the alcohol fueled disorder on our streets. Uh, I think is it £400 a telegraph are reporting About that, that, yes, that yes. people would have to pay to a, a private company if they were found drunk and disorderly on uh, on the street late at night. I'm, I'm going to be asking this morning: Is there anything we can actually do to stop people binge drinking? Because I'm not I'm not convinced. But the threat of a drunk tank, having spent some time... Uh, in prison? A, no, no, drunk. no, but I, you know, like anyone, I have definitely drunk to excess. Uh, I know lots of people that have drunk to excess. I don't think any of them would have realistically set out thinking they were going to end up in a prison cell. Mm. Um, but then something has to be done because, I mean, it was, I think it was probably about two months ago that I'd been out for a Chinese meal with some friends and walking home, there was a girl in the gutter, she must have been in her mid-twenties and she was lying behind the car on double yellow lines, completely unconscious but the people were walking past Classy, her, people, very classy. Oh, really classy. People yeah. weren't doing anything at all and so we thought, well, we can't go home without going and speaking to her. So we went along, we started kind of slapping her on the face to try and, to try and wake her up. You gave her a round of applause. I gave her a round of applause. Yeah, so we slapped her on the face, and eventually she started to stir, and um, she she came around just enough to, I mean, said, you know, where are your friends? Where are your friends? And she had no idea she'd lost all her friends. And if we hadn't have stopped her to help her, mm. and we waited, and an ambulance came. But when the ambulance came, there were, I think there were four members of crew, and two ambulances turned up. And I just thought, what a waste of resources! Why are the, why are these two ambulances that could be saving someone's life elsewhere, or taking an old person from their house to, to hospital? They are wasting their time with this twenty-something-year-old girl who has just drunk till she's lost her mind mm. so I, i'm interested in trying to find solutions of how we can stop people from binge drinking what will discourage people from just drinking to such a mad excess and what's going to be quite interesting is just after nine i'm going to be speaking to a guy who runs a nightclub in luton and he says we do have drinks offers so you can buy i think it's nine drinks for 20 something quid 22 pounds wow. i think something like that so you pay your 22 pounds on the door and then you get nine drinks. There could be nine vodkas, nine whiskies, nine pints. Should anyone really be going out with that expectation that mm. they're going to drink nine drinks in a night? Should they? I don't drink. You don't drink. I'm so, out you of know, this. But, but surely you can appreciate that having oh, you, you have very, drunk, very drunk. nine pints. Yeah. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It's not bad going. Mm. It's, it's a little starter. Yeah. So, is there anything we can do to stop people binge drinking? That'll be from nine o'clock this morning. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, today marks one year to go until voters in Scotland take part in a referendum which will ask them the straight question, should Scotland be an independent uh, country? But if the Scottish people do choose to break away, what will it mean to, for England? Well, to debate this, I'm joined now by Tony Gigliano, a specialist groups coordinator with Yes Scotland, and by Milton Keynes South MP Ian Stewart, who is from Scotland himself, but is against independence. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. morning. Tony, why do you think it's important for Scotland to become independent? Well, I think there's, there's different strands of the argument. We talk about the, the, the democratic case for Scottish independence. It's the right that we put its future in Scotland's hands that the people of Scotland are able to determine. Tony, Tony uh, listen, the, the, the line isn't great, Tony. We're going to get you back uh, in a second, so we get you on a different line. Ian, let, let, let's go to you. What, you're against Scottish independence. Right. Why? Well, I just think there, there are lots of uh, economic, uh, social and cultural uh, reasons uh, that we should stay together. But for me, as someone who was uh, born to Scottish parents and grew up in Scotland, but who's lived in England most of my working life, and through marriage in the family, I've got many English, English relatives, my nationality is British, and I just don't want to see my country broken up. There are lots, and I've, I've, I have Scottish relatives, there are lots of people in Scotland who feel very strongly that the focus um, of uh, the British government seems to be not only on England, but, but primarily on, on London as well. They, they, there are people who feel left out. Well, there's a separate argument to be had about uh, how public spending is allocated uh, throughout the United Kingdom. You know, in any country, capital cities tend to uh, attract the majority of, of resources. Uh, but that's a separate debate. We don't need to break up the United Kingdom to, to address that. Ian, we've just got Tony back, I believe. Tony, can we hear you now? Yes. Ah, there can, we go. No, we it's, right. it's an important point, so I want to get it. What, why do you think Scotland should become independent? Well, I think it's right that we put Scotland's future in Scotland's hands and the people of Scotland are able to take their own decisions uh, based on Scotland's distinct uh, economic needs. I mean, at the moment, uh, you know, we have a, a Tory government that we did not vote for. Uh, we have successive Tory governments that we did not vote for. So I think that there's a democratic case there. Um, but from, a, from, a, from, from an economic uh, case as well, um, and a fairness case, we have to look at why Westminster isn't working. And the reality is that it hasn't been working for Scotland. You know, we, the paradox of child poverty at 22% in an oil-rich nation like Scotland is a scandal. And that, for me, encapsulates one of the um, biggest reasons why Westminster has failed uh, for the people of Scotland. And would that change, Tony, if Scotland were independent? Would you, would you be uh, having more funds that you could funnel into things like child poverty? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, not only are we uh, stronger financially, uh, we would be stronger financially with independence, um, uh, we would be able to, instead of wasting uh, millions of pounds on renewing Trident, for instance, as one example, um, you know, something that we simply would not do if we had the powers here in Hollywood, we'd take very uh, different approaches uh, in Scotland, and we have shown that over the past... Uh, over the past years with devolution. You know, if, if the Scottish Parliament proves something, it is the fact that we do things differently, whether it's on education, south of the border, we, uh, the, the Tories and Liberals are for forcing uh, young people to pay £9,000. We don't have tuition fees in Scotland because we believe that education is a right. Uh, so we, we take different approaches in Scotland. Uh, we have done with devolution, and it's, it's only right that we continue to take that different path, also with defence, with foreign affairs. I mean, Europe is another example. I mean, we have a Conservative government that wants to take us out of Europe. We have ministers in the coalition government that want to take us out of Europe. The majority of people in Scotland want to 
stay in the European Union. It's a very, very clear in the European Union, uh, and we want to take that different approach. Ian, it does. It, it, it totally makes a good point, doesn't it? That, that, that Scotland is a country, and it, it, it is not having a, a proportional say in what happens to it. Well, I would argue the reverse. I would say that Scotland punches above her weight by being part of the United Kingdom. You know, I view that the strength of the United Kingdom is greater than the sum of its individual parts. Um, and I think we have to think very carefully before we, we rip up uh, a, a partnership, a union that's been uh, a strong one for over 300 years. Uh, and the point made about finances is it, it's... It's not proven what the true financial relationship is between Scotland and England because we've never fully worked out how the last money, of, the last penny is spent uh, or raised in taxes. Uh, and I just think it's going to be an absolute mess if we try and rip up uh, a partnership that's been a, a huge success for many years. In what so ways what you're saying is basically that it's too much of an inconvenience for the people of Scotland no. to be deciding their own... No, that's exactly what you're no, saying. That, it's too much... It's well, too, can, it's can too inconvenient. To that? That, that is a ridiculous assertion. That's what you've said. I, I'm a you Democrat said it's too much and, of a big deal, of too well, much of an there, inconvenience. There, there we have but, the Scottish nationalist argument. They just shout down anyone well, who... Ian, you're, you're speaking now. You're speaking now. So re- re- respond to Tony, please. Uh, sorry, I didn't catch that. Well, re- re- respond to Tony's point. Well, the, it's a ridiculous notion to suggest that this is just an inconvenience. I, there, are, there are going to be huge uh, practical difficulties in breaking up. It could happen if that's what people wanted. But my argument is we don't need to do that. Scotland can be perfectly prosperous it's not and, free to, and free to express its identity it's not within the bounds of the union. It's not uh, working. Well, that's your perspective. A lot of people disagree, and the polls are showing that you're losing the argument. Their polls are actually showing that when undecideds hear the yes argument, they shift <laughs> to yes. Uh, the Every class, poll, the well, <laughs> you, can, the you can dismiss what the people are saying on independence, if you like. The reality, the reality, the matter is that when people hear the yes argument, even for instance, on a Newsnight programme uh, of the BBC itself that was on air last night showed that when people <laughs> hear about oh the, the, dear, the oh argument dear. of independence, they dear, shift oh to dear. Ian, it, every it, recent poll has shown that as well. Ian, it, 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 I, again, I go back to the point. It, it must be frustrating to, to, to live in Glasgow or live in Edinburgh or live in the Hebrides and all of the, the, the focus seems to be on London, a, a city that's in a, that's in a different country. It, it must feel exclusive to a lot of Scottish residents. No, I, I would argue, if you look at the, the, the number of Scots who, who are in positions of power in the whole UK, uh, we've had far more than fair share... And the point about capital cities dominating, I suspect if you ask people in the Highlands, in Orkney, in the Hebrides, does Edinburgh get too much resources, they'll probably agree with you. Well, look, uh, l- l- let me put it to you. You, you. you make a point of position of power. What position of power were Scottish MPs on voting on the bedroom tax? The vast majority, over 80% of Scottish MPs, rejected the bedroom tax, but it was imposed by Westminster regardless. So even when Scottish MPs, never mind MSPs, go to Westminster with a completely different perspective on things, we are still voted down because we don't have the numbers. Now, that is 
a clear democratic deficit. You have to accept and, it, regardless there, 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 there of whether Gordon Brown is a Prime Minister from Scotland or not. is an utter irrelevance. An utter irrelevance. No, we not do not have, it is, we don't been, have the numbers in the House of Commons. Voted for a the House of Commons. A, a Tony, let, 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 let Ian just come back. We're running out of time, but Ian, give, just, just come back on that point if you would. No, there have been times when England has voted for a Conservative government, but because of the votes of the UK as a whole, it's been a Labour government that's been elected. There's an ebb and flow in these things. OK, listen, we have to end it there, strictly because of time, but, but uh, maybe we can get you both back on, as you obviously feel very passionate about it, and uh, it's a fascinating debate. That was uh, Ian Stewart, Conservative MP for Milton Keynes South, and the other gentleman you heard there was Tony Giuliano, who is uh, Specialist Groups Coordinator with Yes Scotland. 8.30, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 anti-clockwise, queuing from the M11 to Potter's Bar, junction 27 to 24. Long delays also further round. We had that accident just after Watford, junction 19, which, although it's now gone, the congestion is still back to St Albans at junction 22. It's taking about 45 minutes to get through the queues, so traffic is easing a little bit, but uh, not completely yet. A5 round Mark Yates, still partly blocked both ways because of a two-car accident near Hicks Road, affecting traffic heading to and from Dunstable, of course. The M1 southbound, slow-moving Flittick to Redbourne, junction 12 to 9, and slow again, Hemel Hempstead to London and the M25, junction 7 to 6. A1M southbound, busy past Stevenage at junction 8. Into London, slow, Boreham Wood, from the Holiday Inn junction toward Mill Hill Circus. And it's looking rather busy in High Wycombe. The A40 is slow eastbound, approaching the junction with Lily's Walk. Trains and tubes, though, are still doing well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the 8.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Alcohol charities are criticising senior police officers' calls for the introduction of so-called drunk tanks, suggesting the scheme could become little more than a cash cow. Luton police are questioning two 18-year-old men arrested in connection with last Friday's fatal stabbing in Hastings Street. And the NHS is being urged to be much more open about staffing levels in a bid to avoid a repeat of the Stafford Hospital scandal. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United got this season's Champions League campaign off to a winning start as they beat Bayer Leverkusen 4-2 in Group A. Wayne Rooney scored twice, including his 200th for the club, with Robin van Persie and Antonio Valencia also getting on the score sheet for United. Captain Vincent Kompany made his return from a groin injury as Manchester City won 3-0 away to the Czech side Victoria Pilsen in Group D. City's goals were scored by Eden Dzeko, Yaya Torre and Sergio Aguero. In the Championship last night, a late penalty gave Watford a 2-1 win over Doncaster at Vicarage Road. Hornets boss Jan Franco Zola says his side need to build on their success. We need to be, as I said, be patient, wait for uh, for the form of home to be better and uh, get get points in games like this where they are very important. And um, and uh, so I think is uh, is going to be a good lesson for all of us for for the for the future. Meanwhile at Kenilworth Road, Luton Town with three nil winners at home to Dartford in the conference. Paul Benson, Luke Guthridge and Alex Lawless scored for the Hatters. And manager John still has praise for his side. I think Alex done very well. But we, I think we're seeing a, a, a fit of Paul Benson as well now. His movement is so good, it's so clever. Brings so many people into play. So I think there's a bit of confidence in that as well. And I thought him and, and Luke Gutteridge worked really, really well. Really clever between the two of them. And we've got some better quality balls in the box today. Good performance. 
Finally, in the Skrill South, the Boreham Wood lost 2-0 at Farnborough and in the Southern Premier, Hemel Hempstead stayed top after thrashing Bashley 4-1. Bashley! And Cheshire was second after beating Bedford 3-0. That's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Uh, d- uh, remind me of the boarding school story that we spoke about earlier. There is a very uh, prominent head teacher in Harpenden yep. at St George's School in Harpenden and he's saying that we should lose this image of uh, boarding schools being elitist and actually they can be a cheaper alternative for those parents who ferry their children about to various activities after school. Okay, and, and remind me what spurious point I made on the back of that. You said the only people that don't love their children send them to boarding school. Right, okay. I th- I th- I've got lots of calls lined up about boarding school. I suspect that they, they probably won't be patting me on the back congr- congratulating me for speaking the truth, will they? Well, you've got one answer for them. Harry Potter. Yes, thank you! Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Last 30 minutes of the show, why don't you give us a call? Let's just take it easy, because we have lots of phone calls, shall we, between now and nine o'clock. 08459 455 555. Drunk tanks, should we have them? Films, video games, are they too violent? Grand Theft Auto 5? Um, and boarding schools. Janet's in Ashridge. Good morning, Janet. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Janet. What can I do for you? I think that you were a little too categorical in the way you said parents don't love their children who send them to boarding schools. I think you might find that some parents who love their children send them to boarding schools because their profession and their devotion to the community doesn't allow them enough time with their children during term time. What, what, what do you mean by profession and uh, devotion to the community? Right. Par uh, example. I, w- I was a surgeon, so I was on call, did many, many hours' work. My children asked at 11 to go to boarding school oh dear. so that there was continuity. How sad you know, for them. They loved it because they were, they were weekly boarders, they came home every weekend. It meant that at the weekend we enjoyed ourselves. All the homework, all exam revision was done. And it suited my children and it's suiting my grandchildren because Janet, my children are doing the Janet, same thing very well. It suited you. It suited you to send your children away for a week at a time. to go away. But they, at the age of 11, where did they get the idea that they would be better off Because they were at just boarding school, school. Where there were uh, day pupils and boarders. And they thought it was much better, rather than going to school at half past seven in the morning and sort of staying at school till half past five or six at night, it was better to be there all the time. So they were part of the continuity with everybody else. What's this got to do? You mentioned devotion to community. I don't quite understand what that's got to do with this. Uh, Well, if you are going to spend many years at the government's expense training in medicine... You have an obligation to pay back the community. No, if you go to the expense and the d- trouble of having children, you have a responsibility to those children above everything else, don't and you? My responsibility was to see Ship that them they, off. they were taken care of in a proper manner. No, your responsibility is for you to take care of them in a proper manner. You are their mother. And they preferred boarding school. At the age of 11, they're not old enough to make that decision, Janet. Oh, indeed they are. I now have a nine-year-old grandson at boarding school. Oh, that's so sad. He wanted to go because his brothers were there and he's in the same family house with them. 
I think it's so sad to it have... mean we don't love them. I think it's so sad to have the wonderful gift of children, and they are a gift, they are so precious, and then to say, yeah, do you know what? I don't want to spend all my time with you. I don't want to put you to bed at night. I don't want to read your stories. I don't want to cook your supper. I don't want to clean up your mess. I don't want to wipe your bottoms. I'm going to let somebody else do that. Uh, I think that's we, so sad. Devon, you're not doing any of those things either. You're not reading stories and cooking meals for them. Um, you should be. By 11, most of my grandchildren can cook my meals when they visit oh, me. Oh, Janet, I, I just, I, you know, no disrespect, it sounds awful. Uh, but I think you'll find we pro- we make very rounded adults. Oh, it just sounds... get on very well with other people. You, you, you make very rounded adults who think that it's um, appropriate to send their children away because they're caught in that cycle. One of the joys of having children is living with them and being with them and arguing with them and sending them up to their rooms and playing with them and teaching them how to ride their bikes and reading with them and watching films with them and cuddling up in bed with them. And, and you were denied that. I feel really sorry for you, Janet. You were denied that. Uh, please don't feel sorry for me. Oh, I do, I though. Life. I do, though. And I, I, I do, because you've missed out on so many wonderful things by not having your children live with you. I think most of the things you're talking about are done before 11. You can do all of those things with 11-year-olds. You can get into bed with your 11-year-old. You can read them stories. You can watch films with them. You can cook for them. You can, you can do all of those things. It's a, it's a joy, and it's a gift, and it's a privilege watching your children grow up and being part of their lives. And, and you... You denied yourself that, Janet. No, I don't... I'm sorry, I don't agree with you. I think that within a community, you have a responsibility to the community as well as your family. No, your family come first. Your family really do come first. Your family don't always come first. Your children come first. I really think they do. I'm afraid they don't always come first. You must equate what is the most important thing and very often the community is more important because having brought your children up properly they are disciplined they are rounded people and can well look after themselves when many members of the community can't I, I would, I would, I would strongly disagree I would suspect a lot of people would as well that, that my children come above and beyond everything I everything. Hope your children are very successful in life and very happy well, I, I, thank you very much. That's, that's very kind. But again, I re- re- reiterate, my children are more important to me than anything. More important than this job. More important than uh, other members of my family. More important than my community. Of course they're more important. So if they're more important than your job, yep. then how are you going to provide with them, for them if you didn't have a job? Well, no, I, I, I have a job. What I'm saying is, if for some reason, due to illness or whatever other reason, I had to leave this job to be with them... If I got an email now saying your kids are sick, I, I, I would be out of here now. I would, you, you would hear me put the headphones down and I would walk out without, without a moment's hesitation. Um, my children would bring up Granny and say, would you deal with it, please? OK, but suppose, supposing that situation isn't possible. You, you know, if I got an email saying your children are sick, you have to come home now. The last sound you would hear is me putting my headphones down, walking out of that door and that door shutting. You are to be congratulated. Thank you. I know. I know. But I don't agree with you. And I don't think... You think a radio show is more important than the health of my kids? Wow. Janet, it's nice talking to you. Thanks very much for calling. Bye. Janet Nashridge there. Seriously, this means nothing. Compared to my kids, this is nothing. If I got an email now saying your kids are ill, you've got, you've got to come home. Wouldn't even question it. Headphones down, out through the door. If that meant losing my job... That would mean losing my job. I probably wouldn't. I suspect that my bosses here would be understanding enough to, 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 to know that. And uh, Kelly could jump in, or Justin would jump in, or Jonathan, or whatever. 
Uh, Betty's in North Crawley. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. Good morning, Betty. What's your take on boarding schools? Well, I went to boarding school at the age of eight, but the circumstances were such that we had to. What were the circumstances, uh, if you don't mind me asking? My father died when I was three. Yeah. So my mother had four, uh, three of us under the age of ten. Oh, dear. No widow's pension, no anything, no house paid for, because my father was only 34. So, fortunately, uh, he'd, he'd paid into some charity, and uh, they educated the three of us, gave us clothes and everything, um, until I was 16. And even then, when I was 16, my mother still was a widow and trying to run a boarding house, no money. Was uh, it was it hard for her, Betty, to send her children away? It was dreadful. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. And she was a jolly good mother. Uh, and she loved us dearly, and mm. we always had a lovely time when we got home. Oh, I, I beat it. And, and, no chance. Uh, so I do think perhaps when you make your very bold sweeping statements, circumstances do alter cases. They do. And I, uh, your, your circumstances are, are not, they are slightly outside of the norm that I was they speaking are, of, and I can understand. Well, you know, you really, I don't think that perhaps you ought to make quite such sweeping statements. Would you have, would you have called in if I hadn't made such a sweeping statement? I know this, that um, when my husband uh, went to work abroad, we had the chance of sending our children to boarding school, and um, I refused. Why did you refuse? Uh, because I felt the best thing was to be at home. Mm. But our circumstances as kids, we had no choice. No, I, and I completely appreciate that, and I, it, it obviously is a completely different circumstance. If I hadn't made such a swe- sweeping statement, would you have called in? No. You see? Betty, I appreciate your story. Thank you very much. Okay. Betty in North Crawley. That, that, that is the exception, I think, that proves the rule. I do genuinely believe this, that, that, that my children are more important than anything. I would jump in front of a train for my kids if that, if, if that was what was required. They're more important than anything. And I couldn't think of anything worse than sending them away. Isn't it funny how a throwaway comment uh, generates all these phone calls? Oh, wait, 459 four, double, five, five, double, five. I can't think of anything worse than sending them away, not putting them to bed, not giving them a bath, not cooking their supper. It's hard work, but what a job. What a job. Ellie's in Bedford. Morning, Ellie. Good morning. I have never, ever heard such an interview in my life. What, what I think is the scary part is, I think things move on in generations... What really scares me is that that lady is actually now bringing in another generation that's going to have the same outlook on life. If she wanted to be a part-time parent, perhaps she shouldn't have had children and she should have set up a babysitting um, agency. My, my children are 15, 18 and 19. One of them left the university last weekend and one of them is leaving the university this weekend. I'm a rep, but I, I think that she's completely missing a huge point that she'll never understand because okay. she's never experienced it. Well, uh, 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 listen, Janet's not here to defend herself, so let's just go a little bit no. soft on Janet. Let's, let's just spread this out a, a little bit more generally. P- parents who do send their, their children away to boarding school, tell them what they're missing out on, Ellie. They're, they're missing out on the, the, the panic attacks they have. They're missing out on the things when they get really worried. And, but my point is that when my children were little, rightly or wrongly, you could put them in front of the TV with a video and they would sit there and laugh and amuse themselves. As they get older, and I'm talking specifically about 11 to 16 year olds, emotionally, they need you far more. And no one will understand a child better than its mother. Thank you very much, Ellie. Uh, uh, Ellie in Bedford. 
455 Well, this is feisty, isn't it? It was a, a throwaway comment, but, but said sincerely, it wasn't said flippantly, uh, has, uh, has seemed to have got you a little bit excited. I do genuinely think if you send your kids away to boarding school, I, I, I think it's very, very sad. I think it's really sad. You're missing out on so much. Would you do it, Producer Troy? You've, you've got kids. Could you, could you possibly send your kids away to boarding school? You've got a grin on your face as though you'd, you'd enjoy the break. No, I would not. I'd never send them. In fact, my son, if ever he hears a story about boarding school, he says, oh, mummy, please don't ever send me. <laughs> So he's begging you not he'll to send him away. He'll be listening to this now, and he, he doesn't Do like have... the idea of boarding school because he doesn't believe it's like Hogwarts. No, it's not. They don't learn magic. Do, do you ever use it as a threat? You do that again, young man, and you Never. are going away to boarding school. Never, just just the naughty step. <laughs> oh, wait, four, five, nine. Four, she makes us stand on the naughty step here at work. I know, it's terrible. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. I do think if you send your kids away to boarding school, you're missing out on a lot, and there's, there's something lacking in your relationship. How could there not be? It's 8.46. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still very busy on the M25 this morning, anti-clockwise slow into the roadworks past Enfield. Also queuing after that accident around Watford Junction 19. The accident's gone, the delay's still there, back pretty much to the A1M at South Mims. About half an hour to get through the delays though, because traffic at least is moving a bit more freely. Clockwise is slow into the roadworks at South Mims at Junction 23. A5 in Mark Yate partly blocked, a two-car accident around Hicks Road. Southbound M1 slow flitting to Redbourne Junction 12 to 9 and from Hemel Hempstead to the M25, Junction 7 to 6A. It's looking quite busy on the A414 at the London Coney Roundabout, also through Hartford. Some short delays on the A602 in Hitchin, and the A507 may be a little bit busy as well this morning. The A1 definitely looking slow along past Stevenage Junction 8, and then into London from the Holiday Inn Junction to Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Ian, uh, who spells his name the alternative way, has emailed in. Ian, your opinion is valid, but let's be honest. You abuse the right of having your own radio show by talking over anyone who does not agree with you. By the way, my children never went to boarding school. Well, Ian, I, I, I don't think I was talking over anyone then. I was just tr- trying to forward the conversation ever so slightly. If you've got a problem, do call in 08459 455555. Right, it's 8.47. It's uh, Wednesday, the 18th of September. I am Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Alcohol charities are criticising senior police officers' calls for the introduction of so-called drunk tanks, suggesting the scheme could become little more than a cash cow. Luton police are questioning two 18-year-old men arrested in connection with last Friday's fatal stabbing in Hastings Street. In sport, Sir Bradley Wiggins takes a 33-second lead into today's fourth stage of cycling's Tour de Britain after winning yesterday's time trial by more than half a minute. Coming up, your calls on drink tanks, uh, boarding schools and grand theft auto 5. 08 455 Let's get the weather now, though, with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. We've still got a little bit of cloud around, but already it's breaking up quite nicely and we're seeing the sunshine through the thinner areas and it's turning out to be quite a nice day. Certainly an improvement to yesterday. There's less wind, there's less rain and we're going to see the sunshine too. So therefore it's going to feel a bit warmer. We're looking at a maximum of around 16 Celsius, 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now overnight, because of the clearer skies, it will get chilly very quickly. We're looking at a minimum of 6 Celsius. But towards the early hours of tomorrow morning and into dawn tomorrow, 
tomorrow. The cloud increases from the west, which may mean we get a degree or two higher as we head into Thursday morning. Cloudy start tomorrow and the rain will soon follow. Mid-morning onwards, really. Some of that quite heavy and when it moves through, it's going to become fairly windy as well. So uh, that continues through the afternoon. It will start to clear through the course of the evening, but feeling fairly miserable despite the temperature being the same as today, around 16 Celsius. That's 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. It looks a bit better for Friday and it's certainly improving more in the way of sunshine. As we head into the weekend, it looks like it's going to get a bit warmer as well. That's your forecast. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, they were really, really unhelpful. They laughed at me. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. We have been back 11 visits each time because of the problems my husband's been having. Since the beginning of June, I've had no schedule freezer. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Gentlemen then agreed to refund me my money. As of yet, he's resold the vehicle and still no refund. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, I'm enjoying this morning all of a sudden. Have you or your children or your grandchildren got their grubby little mitts on the eagerly anticipated Grand Theft Auto 5? I'm either saying those words and they mean nothing to you, or you're going, oh, flipping out on that blooming game. The uh, video game is expected to smash sales records, shifting some 25 million copies in its first year and generating £1 billion for developer Rockstar. 25 million copies is more than an album sells these days. £1 billion is more than a movie takes these days. The Mail calls it the game that spawns violence, and they're quite, uh, as I knew they would be, they don't like video games, the Daily Mail, they're quite condemning in their review of it. Uh, Their reporter, James Dellingpole, uh, ends his, uh, his review. The fact that this is the most popular computer game on the market should make us all shudder and pray that the violence on the screen doesn't bleed onto Britain's streets. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about. Justin, you're not a gamer, are you? No, not at all. You don't, you don't like it? Do you don't fancy coming around for a little session of the GTA? Tell me why I'll be interested in stealing, killing, torturing. Why would I be interested in that? Because that's not... That's not you won't be killing, stealing or, or torturing. You'll be playing a video game. But that's what they do in the video game. Yeah, but you're not doing it. That's, that's the, this is the problem, you see. Go on. You're not doing that. You're playing a video game. It's like watching, uh, it's like watching a movie. But why would I want to torture? somebody on a video game okay. you're still torturing somebody no you're not torturing anybody justin maybe i'm not saying this clear enough let me yeah, say it on, in, in words of less than two syllables for you to understand <laughs> you will not be torturing anybody you will be uh, interacting in a video game it's like watching a movie no it's not like watching a movie because you're watching a movie you're watching something in front of you you're pressing the buttons yes. on that computer yes. which is making yeah. the computer screen torture somebody correct Incorrect, because it's not torturing anybody. It's just a series of numbers and dots on a screen. You are not torturing a real person. Right, OK. Uh, well, so well, no, can- well done, no, well done. You lost the argument, okay. so you backed away, and I appreciate that. So That's big of you. Game, yeah? Uh, I got sent it yesterday. Ah, right, so you're going to be playing it later on. Well, I've been trying to find out this morning, Ian, why people like you like this game and why people don't like this game. Here's what people had to say. You're a fan, aren't you, of these games? Yes, very big fan, yeah. Do you think they make you more violent? No, not at all, no. No. I mean, experts are saying they could do, but you've noticed no change in your behaviour or your friend's behaviour whatsoever? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Mm. Not for ones that have played it so what far. What do you get from this, though? You know, shooting people, torturing people, what do you get from it? Um, I think it's just, you can't do it in real life, so... It's the fantasy, then? Yeah, it's the fantasy, yeah. My nephews have already got it. So they're that keen, then? They're that keen, yeah. And how old are your nephews? One's 18, one is 15. 
But the one at 15 shouldn't be playing it anyway, should he? He should be playing and he's the one that's got it. It's the 18-year-old that got it for him. But I think that's they've been talking about it for many weeks now. It's just, yeah, that game. I mean, are you not concerned that your 15-year-old nephew will be playing this game, which features scenes of graphic violence and torture? Yep. I, I mean, I hope he's not influenced by the game. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I am worried. I was surprised when he showed me the picture. He's got it. So, Charlie, you're 18, so legally you can play Grand Theft Auto. Have you rushed out to buy the new game yet? I just got it yesterday after work. You've already got it. Yeah. Is it too violent? It is definitely an 18-plus game, yeah. Zach, you don't play Grand Theft Auto. Can you tell me why? Too much killing and not really any real story behind the game. It's just kind of do this and do that. And what about friends of yours? Are they obsessed by this game? Uh, a few of my friends did go out at midnight to purchase the game, and uh, I don't think they've been into work since. James, you've got two children. Yeah. Would you let them play Grand Theft Auto? No. no. And these parents that are buying these games for their children, knowing they're underage, no. do you think they're just naive? I think, I think some are naive, but I think some of it is basically pressure, because I know there's children that... I've spoke to parents myself whose children are, are, are actually badgering them to get, get this game. You've seen the film Scarface, Justin, with Al Pacino? No, no I haven't, no. You've seen God, The Godfather? Yes, I have, a long time ago. It's quite violent, isn't it? It's very violent, yes. Did it make you go out and be more violent? No, it didn't. Because you are a rational, thinking human being. But I'm just saying that sometimes an influence... You know, you'd be shocked this morning, in the amount of 14-year-old children that I've spoken to who have already got this game because their parents have gone out to well, buy it for them. That you've is got bad. to be 18 to, to play the game. No, well, no, you haven't. You've got to be 18 to buy the game. You don't have to be 18 to play the game. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, but, but yes, that, that is bad parenting. Hmm. That, definitely. I couldn't disagree with that. H- have you found anybody this morning whose behaviour has been affected? Well, yes, somebody's friend. Um, this is is very very interesting uh, this is jig just uh, take a quick listen to this jig you're into these games as well sell it to me what's so good about grand theft auto uh, I, I think people like it simply because you can just just do whatever you want you can just steal a car and not face so much consequences so the game takes you away from reality yeah it takes you into a place where you can just do whatever whatever pleases you and the people that, that you've seen playing this game, have they changed as a person since they've been playing games like that? Yeah, some people I know have changed completely, and not for the better either. Can you tell us what you mean by that? I, mean, I knew a guy that was, I mean, me and him were close, and then one day he's like, oh, I'm just going to go steal a car. Do you want to come with me? I was like, no, nah, I'm OK. He got caught, yeah. And that was based purely on the video game? Yeah. So the experts that are saying this can have an influence... Based on your experience with your friends, no. that's absolutely true. It is, yeah. Right, so there's a bloke called Jig, who's, mm-hmm. um, he played, his mate played Grand Theft Auto, then he yep. said one day I'm going to go and steal a car, and he did. Yeah, based on the computer game, what, as he what, said. Well, as Jig said, what evidence do we have that that young man stole a car based on a computer game? Justin, come on, you are, no, you're one said, of my favourite reporters. You, what, where's, where's the evidence here? Well, that, I, I'm only going on what he said to me. He said that, that since he started playing these video right. games, his close friend, his behaviour has changed and he went out to steal a car because the video game you're talking about, that yes. is not reality. That is fantasy. Correct. He took that fantasy out onto the streets when it became I reality. Assume, I assumed you asked questions as well about the young man's uh, mental health, about other things going on in his life, about possible drug use, about breakdown in family, things like that, to get the no, whole I'm only going picture. on what he's saying to me. He said to okay. me the video game had an influence on his behaviour which made him go out and steal a car and he got caught. That's what he said. Mark Chapman um, shot John Lennon, uh, I think, five times. I think he fired six. I think only five of the bullets went into him after he'd read the book Catcher in the Rye. Mm. 
Should we ban books? Look, with this video game, it is controversial. And I think, you know, it, it depends on what sort of person you are. Clearly, you play the game. It doesn't have an influence on you. But if you're talking about young teenagers who are, you know, mixed up at the best of times, and I was certainly a bit strange when I was growing up, I think a game like this could have a major influence. And, and experts are talking about it. Not all the experts can be wrong, can they? We should um, bring back Jet Set Willy. <laughs> <laughs> And get the kids playing Manic Miner. That's what they need. But come on, you've got to admit, would you want your... If, if your children were 14 years old, would you want them playing this game? No, I wouldn't let them. 18? So, uh, yeah, 18. They're, they're, they're adults. They can do what they want. Pro right. Probably uh, probably 17, possibly 16. I'd, I'd let them have a go without my wife knowing. But, yeah, um, yeah, but you're, saying, you're saying to me there's nothing wrong with this game, but you wouldn't want your children playing it. No, because it's not designed for children. It's an adult game. It's adult-themed. I wouldn't let my 14-year-old son watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, although he'd probably sneak off and watch it somewhere else. I wouldn't let him watch... You know, the, 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 it's an adult-themed game in so the same way that... you saying that, but you could say alcohol's for adults. How many young kids drink alcohol? How many young, oh, kids, okay. how many young kids play these video games? They're, they're always going to get their hands on well, it. of course they are. We, what, what are you saying then, Justin, that we should we should ban alcohol? I'm confused. I'm not saying we should ban alcohol. I'm just saying that a lot of people that, that have made comment on this particular game yeah. would say that it is too violent. And that's even 18-year-olds. I'm, I'm a grown violent. man. If I want to play a violent video game in the privacy of my own home, I should be allowed to, shouldn't I? But we're not talking about 40-year-old men. We're, we're, we're talking about young kids that could be influenced by a computer game. I've got an idea, Justin, and this, it, 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 we, this will solve everything. Go on. Let's ban young kids. <laughs> Do you think? No, I don't think we should ban young kids. I was offering you an olive branch there. You uh, can stick that. Where... Anyway, Jesse, lovely to talk to you. And you. See you later. Ta-ta. Oh, the proper, proper argument there between myself and Mr. Dealey. He was getting angry. This is going to continue in the office. I guarantee it. As long as he brings a coffee with him. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 anti-clockwise, still queuing for about three miles back with all the M uh, M11 at Junction 27s. It's very slow coming from Essex through toward the roadworks at Enfield. Also the queues after the accident at Watford a bit earlier. The accident's gone. The delays remain back as far as the A1M at Junction 23. It's taking roughly half an hour to get through because traffic is moving a bit better. Clockwise slow now into the works as well, again past Enfield. A5 Mark Yate. We've had reports that it's partly blocked by a two-car accident through the morning. It's still looking very, very slow near Hicks Road. It's affecting traffic mainly heading in toward Dunstable, but southbound traffic is being affected as well. The M1 southbound slow flitting to Redbourne and Hemel Hempstead to the M25. A1M still looking busy past Stevenage at Junction 8 and 7. If you're travelling by train or by tube this morning, your journey should be a little more clear. No problems or delays on those departure boards. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. I enjoyed that little uh, feist with uh, Justin Deere. We should do that more often. That's enjoyable. Don't forget, you can download uh, the podcast from iTunes or the BBC Three Counties website, the best bits of the show. I'm back tomorrow at six. Until then, from me, Tatar, Tim's up next. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, thank you very much, Ian. Good morning. You're listening to the JVS Show. I'm Tim Wheeler, standing in for Jonathan. At nine o'clock, it's the big phone-in, and 